castle, an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to January 19, 1991 in the Legacy Series. Ladies and gentlemen, we have entered the year that I started watching professional wrestling. I will try not to belabor the point too much today because, yeah, it'll still be six months or so before I start watching the WWF. But it's almost impossible to put myself back into this world. And when I think about it, we've already done WCW, the Legacy Series. So this might be the last time in my life that I will actively review the best decade of my life that's heavy folks but yet right now i don't have anything to say because i'm too busy with life on one side of the show and life on the other side but as i sit here and i think about it and i think about that young man and his brothers who sat down in front of tbs and somehow found wcw and somehow liked wcw and somehow loved wcw i can honestly say i have no idea what this existence would have been without professional wrestling. It's a strange, strange thing. I almost understand someone obsessed with professional wrestling better than someone who kind of likes it. It almost feels like to me that that's something that you either got to like so much that you can't explain it or not watch it at all. Like how I can never go back. My memory's not sharp enough. It's not good enough to say how someone is exposed to professional wrestling and they say, sure, I will take that form of entertainment for the rest of my life. But here we are, what, 30 years later, and I am doing a podcast trying to get back to that time, trying to get back to a place where my imagination stayed full 24 seven where my younger brother and I played professional wrestling outside. We played with the figures on the inside, and I mean year in and year out. He had one wrestling promotion. I had another. We drafted way before WWF. We traded at the end of the year. We watched each other's shows. We created. We booked. So rest in peace right now to Butch Reed, who passed away. Great, great wrestling star. Uh, he was my first world champion when we had only Galoob and Hasbro figures. I made him world champion and kept him world champion for four years of my life. He had a group. He was the leader of it. Uh, Lex Luger was the challenger. And even in my figure entertainment, he could never win the world title. He could never get the job done. Uh, so we're here, folks. We are here in the year that... Uh, began to make me a wrestling fan and make the, the show at least half an existence. It's going to be another one with, that's going to be some really, really good stuff and some stuff that we got to have a conversation about. It's going to be the end of the Ultimate Warriors title reign. So what do we say about that? It's going to be one more win for Hulk Hogan. It's going to be that match with the Rockers. It's going to be a lot of things. It's January. It's a new year. It's another chance. Everything's out in the open. Everything's on the table. The WWF is trying to turn it around. This is a company that thinks they are about to put 100,000 fans uh, in an arena. God bless them. They're going to air the ad right after the Sergeant Slaughter uh, matchup. Uh, bless their souls. 
We got a lot to do. We got a lot to talk about. I am glad to be here. I am glad to be talking pro wrestling. I am thankful for the audience that tunes in. So sit down, relax. However your week's going, however you're feeling, this is a chance to get away a little bit, to listen, to imagine, to do other things. Ladies and gentlemen, the hype is back. Grab your shovels because the unearthing continues. I am the mystic and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague. He is Mr. Ms. Fan, the brain. Greetings, Miz fan fans. Welcome indeed to WWF The Legacy Series. We are into 1991. It is time for the Rumble. The Rumble's in the air. It may be February in 2021, but it is still January. Back in time where we are, and that does mean the Rumble. And it's getting bigger all the time, and it's getting bigger in our minds because, yes, we are infringing upon that time. Those childhood memories were coming up very close to them with my friend the Mystic. How do you get back there? How do you explain wrestling fandom? I have no idea. We will not answer these questions, I think, but we will answer some other very good, very fun questions. We've got a great event here, the best one we have covered in a while, in my opinion. Uh, it's going to be a blast. It will not be enough to put those butts in seats at WrestleMania 7. Not even close. And there's one very specific reason for that that we will talk all about. But, man, I'm excited for today. I'm excited for 1991. Things are crazy in the world, but, man, we got wrestling. We got 1991. We got the Royal Rumble. We got some good stuff going on right here, right now. Absolutely. We got so much to talk about. We have beat this Ultimate Warrior drum uh, from start to finish. We have asked questions again and again and again. But little did I know that the Ultimate Warrior, who we have talked about in kind of one single narrative, by the time he went out, I would be thinking, my God, you should have kept the belt on the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't, hmm, I'll have to think about that one because that, that's a terrible choice to have to make. Um, of course, they didn't have to make it because in no way are these the only two choices that they had. But um, but here we are. So, yes, Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter will, will be in a battle for who is least appealing as WWF champion. I want to say just shout out uh, LOPforums.com where we have conversation about this show. This is something that makes this show special, folks. Uh, I don't know. How long ago it was in real time, but it was probably a year or two ago in Legacy Series time. We started floating the idea that, hey, uh, Dusty Rhodes actually was going to be the WWF champion and the man who carried the ball, except for one promise that Vince McMahon Sr. made to Bob Backlund. And he might actually would have excelled as much, if not more. Who knows? And Hulk Hogan's on the record saying that he actually borrowed from Dusty Rhodes, and when you hear it, you can see it. So he started saying some things that, you know, are almost an act of faith. You put it out there knowing that it might be silly, but that felt sense is telling you put it out anyway. And what we started saying is, instead of putting him in polka dots and shaming him because you think it's funny or you just, you know, you got a little bit of bad character in you or whatever your reason is, 
What if you took Dusty Rhodes seriously? What if you pretended like he never went to the NWA or he wouldn't make your movie and he held you up for money and you didn't like him? What if you treated him like the legend that he was? What if you brought him in as the guy that Hulk Hogan idolized? What if the only guy that 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 Hulk Hogan had in the summer uh, instead of Bruce Beefcake was Dusty Rhodes? And what if? Just what if? You don't have to do it. It's not your money. It didn't happen. But what if you put the belt on Dusty Rhodes? And, you know, the more we talked about it, the community picked it up and ran with it. And we had conversations about it. And now we get to the point that we got the Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter uh, in the matchup that is going to give us the WrestleMania matchup that is going to, in a lot of ways, I think, really be the... The, the denting point in WWF and Hulk Hogan and Benjamin Button, I believe it was, someone in the forums drops this idea. You can still have your double main event, your triple main event. You can have Warrior and Savage. You can have Hogan. Have Hogan in the tugboat and Sergeant Slaughter, you know, just outside, you know, like in a monster truck match, whatever they want to do. But what if the world title match was the Dusty Rose that we build up that world champion dropping the title to the MVP of this last year, Ted DiBiase. And the only thing I didn't know how to do was end this thing for this Dusty Rhodes legacy, but they didn't put the bow on it. And now you can't tell me nothing because Dusty Rhodes should have been the champion and we should go all the way with it. I don't care if it's the middle of the card or the third match to the main event, but man, that world title match, Dusty Rhodes dropping to Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase is linked to the prime WWF. He almost got to the world title. He's the best thing, perhaps, going consistently. I don't know. It works for me. What do you think, Miss Van? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a bridge too far, just uh, booking for our own sake. But, man, I mean, the writings on the wall of what they did try didn't work either. So, I don't know. Does that do worse than what they did? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, certainly, I am an enormous fan of Ted DiBiase, as everyone knows, and Dusty Rhodes as well. So I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. It sounds beautiful to me. It's something I'd much rather be covering than uh, than the title match that we are going to be talking about today. But uh, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It does sound a lot better than what we are going to have to talk about in that title match. Yeah, we're going to get Hogan and Slaughter instead. And it's, I, I don't never know what to do with like people and money and buy rates because they never make sense. I, I envy the <laughs> certain kind of minded people who can tell you, oh, who, here's, here's the people who drew the best. And like all I see is contradictions. This Royal Rumble, I believe, is going to be the highest grossing buy rate till Royal, uh, Royal Rumble till 98. And I think it outdoes WrestleMania 7. Yeah, you may be right about that. I gotta maybe look into that a second, but um, it wouldn't shock me. And uh, it is hard to tell. Like <laughs> the draw of something is usually predicated on something that came before, and not the something you know that is there itself. So we've talked about how much goodwill the WWF has. And I don't know, did this event kind of break some goodwill with Sergeant Slaughter winning? Was that the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people? It's kind of unfortunate, if so, because this event is a lot better than some of the ones we've talked about. But, uh, you know, it is possible. And as you say, it can be very strange, the things that people react to, the decisions they make. Sometimes you can tell. Sometimes you really just have to throw up your hands and be like, I have no idea what happened here. So it, it's a fair point. 
it's an interesting night when we talk when we get out of our opinions and we get into again I said the other week if I was booking the stuff and without hindsight I would have said kill the Sergeant Slaughter thing because nobody was into it but yeah what I see when I watch this is I see what looks like a mistake but then I see I would have left this pay per view with Hogan at the end and the crowd reaction to him thinking that we might be on the right path. I would have first thought Warrior should have beat Slaughter because I think every fan there thought Sergeant Slaughter was a jobber and that was not a serious match <laughs> and they got a rude awakening. But I think overall, if I was WWF, not even with the buy rate that hasn't come in, but with the buy rate, with the crowd reaction, I would have also, silly enough, thought, hey, man, we're, we're, we might not be delivering the best stuff, but we got them in the palm of our hand again. Like it felt like. The fans were deep, deep into it by the end, at least I think. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it's difficult, too, um, because uh, this crowd, they will react to almost everything tonight in a very big way. It's just a very good crowd, mm-hmm. so there's that on the one side, so you, you can take it with a grain of salt. But then again, you're right. I'm looking up the buy rates. Uh, it is a very good buy rate. It does do better. Than WrestleMania uh, Seven, it does better than Survivor Series. It's a very good buy rate for this period. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you look at that and and you think yes, this is a great idea. Even though there are a lot of signs that maybe contradict that, but um, I don't know. It's very easy to sit and second guess. So I'm glad we're talking about how it's not actually as clear cut as we would mm-hmm. like to make it out to be. So that, that, that I think is a fair conversation to have. But I'll just say personally, God, like the felt sense to abandon that Sergeant Slaughter angle, especially after, man, the goddamn crickets that we heard yeah. at Survivor Series. Like, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch to me to think that that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, there are some things that will never make sense. Like, we can't have Hogan and I'm not advocating for Hogan and Warrior again, believe me. But <laughs> the official line is we can't have Hogan versus Warrior because the buy rate was disappointing compared to five. But we can have Sergeant Slaughter, who gets no reaction for like the first two times we've seen him. We can have him beat the Warrior and wrestle Hogan. You know, I don't get how that's going to do what they want it to do. I think they got swept up into something. I. I there's something in life that is interesting that I have never fully understood, which is an act of faith in confidence is almost exact to an act of desperation, except for there's a calmness and rest in the first one. And there is a double down, triple down, the worse it looks, the more you do in the desperation. Mm. And it feels like to me that I'll never know the answer to this, but I do wonder if they had not decided we're going to fill a building that has 100,000 seats in a time where we are booking uh, worse than ever, where it's like all that goodwill is burning up, where we're not as popular, I really think that somewhere, and they might even have forgotten it, I think there is one at least a seed of if we can't do something the right way, maybe we can do it the wrong way. You know, maybe we can exploit what is going on in the world and they would never say that. So I have no evidence of that, but it really feels like there's a desperation. And if you play on people's emotions and you know, who cares that they're not responding, you turn the heat up. And I think 
I just wonder, part of me wonders how much of this is about trying to fill that 100,000 seat arena in a time where you probably should not have booked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, they were certainly uh, tempting fate because I don't remember them ever doing ads like this before where it's specifically like, oh, we're going to the biggest arena of all time yeah. and we're going to fill it. There's going to be so many fans <laughs> there. Like, they never did that before. And now they won't stop doing it. They were really asking for uh, fate to intervene or something. But uh, even beyond that, yeah, I, there's just a bad taste about it. At the end of the night, Hogan's going to hold up a sign that says peace in the Middle East. And, man, I'm sorry if it's cynical, but I couldn't help thinking that's the last thing they want. Because yeah. if there's peace over there, then, you know, your whole angle that you're banking on is gone. I think by WrestleMania things will actually have pretty much, like, cooled down over there. I think they had, like, a, a, a truce call or something. I don't remember all the details. I'll look it up when we get there. But, yeah, like, things were not even hot over there anymore. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I think it probably would have tanked anyway. But, man, just, like, trying to cash in on a war that's not even a war. And, like, they talk about, like, oh, well, we're going to go in and, like, they don't say it, but, like, we're going to kill Saddam, we're going to take over the country, we're going to be so American, you know, and it's just, like, it's uncomfortable, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, and the sword, folks, is drawn against this. It's not Mizfan and Mystic. The great sword of the universe is drawn against this angle because <laughs> part of their excuse is it's just a skirmish. This is not a war, and it was not a war during all the stuff that we watched. Um so, you know, we're not exploiting a war. It's a skirmish. These things happen. It's not going to get out of control. Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a few minutes after Sergeant Slaughter defeats the Ultimate Warrior so you can't go back. The fans just witnessed that ridiculous display, and you can't replace it. You can't do anything about it. That same night, George Bush comes on the air and declares that we're going to war. The thing has gotten out of control, so war is officially declared. Uh, we're locked in. We can't go backward. So everything that they do, we're going to find out later in the show that Hulk Hogan, who was going to go overseas, but they wouldn't let him, doesn't know Saddam Hussein's name. So we're going to get that. <laughs> you know, it's just everywhere you look, it tells you, number one, they've got no business doing this because they don't, you know, they're not sophisticated enough to do it. And number two, the sword's kind of drawn against you. Like, it's just you're not getting the breaks. There are just hints and there are signs. So, again, I asked the question, like, why are we going forward without any look to anything else? And, like, it's anybody's guess. Maybe they thought it was good and maybe they didn't. Maybe they were trying to fill, fill a building. I don't know what they were trying to do. But I just don't know where the evidence is other than we can do something that uh, that, that stirs people up so much that they come to watch it. But ask Vince Russo. I think there's. You can this this can draw fans in, or it can also turn them off. So you got to be careful. Yeah, no, it it's absurd. And yeah, I'm looking it up here too. By February, you know, this will pretty much all be over anyway. And they're going to be trying to milk this thing out until it's ridiculous. That you said you said the sword of the universe was against this, and man, like it deserved to have the sword of the universe against it. Yeah. You know, it deserved to have holes poked in it all the way down it's just bad 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 all the way across <laughs> i watch so many i listen to so many of the uh something to wrestle with podcasts around here to try to get some kind of understanding and of course you never get an understanding because you know he never says 
you know, anything that goes poorly, then he's not going to like properly address. <laughs> you know, I just know, well, we're not going to do tugboat because tugboat, you know, the gimmick sucked and he wasn't going to get over. But why did we do Sergeant Slaughter when Sergeant Slaughter wasn't getting a reaction? You know, why am I thinking? I don't know. It's just they did Royal Rumble, by the way, this week. So they, they dropped Royal Rumble 91, uh, Conrad oh, wow. and Bruce this week. So. Uh, that's ironic. Well, I guess it's the 30 year, but you know we're kind of on their schedule for a moment in time. I watched, I listened to that, and man, Conrad said that Randy Savage was a little bit past his prime at this time. Oh my God! Yeah. Who who listens to this show? Jesus, it's just like lies and bad opinions. I don't know. That's uh, all right. Teach their own. I never even listened to it, so I'm not. Gonna I dare it. anybody to run. Run that building like Randy Savage ran it and be past your prime. Yeah, but it's just, like some of his greatest matches, like Savage and Warrior, everyone loves that match. Um, he comes back, he wrestles Flair in one of the best title matches that WrestleMania will ever see. Uh, he will have all these great matches in the 97, he'll be having these awesome matches with DDP, and man, it's a joke. What? That's some. That, I. Uh, uh, I can't even yeah. explain that. Like, is that some sort of pathetic excuse for why he's going to be put on the shelf for no reason? Or, like, I can't even wrap my mind around a take like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it wasn't even, like, a conversation. It was just a passing comment. And it's not true, but it's a WWF uh, fiction that they kind of did to themselves. But I bring that up in part to say that while we're talking about this angle they should not have done, we practically have Randy Savage standing on the sidelines for the last few months. <laughs> so I don't know. Let me ask you a question that you might not be able to answer, but who knows? Sure. What would you? Which one would you go with? Uh, Slaughter beats Warrior and Hogan beats Slaughter, or Warrior retains at Rumble and WrestleMania in a title versus retirement match with Randy Savage. Because I don't know where else we go, you know, <laughs> if we're not doing one of those. At this point, yes, we are locked into those two as the double main event. Um, I don't know. I, I I might go slaughter to Hogan, to be okay. honest, just because Warrior has been so bad as champion. And even though Hogan uh, is not as hot as he used to be, you gotta get it back on Hogan, I think, it, more than on Warrior, who is just not working out. So, ideally, I don't know. Like, it seems like there should have been a better heel to transition. And I don't even know off the top of my head who that will be. But God, they were like determined to ruin their WrestleMania first with Tugboat and then with Slaughter. Like, they were not gonna have a good main event. By God, they were mm. determined. So here we are. Yeah. That's so difficult because if I was looking at numbers, I almost would be tempted to say, hey, Warriors champion, we popped a big Royal Rumble number, so maybe that's the way to go. But at the end of the day, if I'm running the company, even though Hogan's right, Hogan numbers are going to keep falling, you know, with Hogan as champion, but I would still trust, whether it's a Bret Hart or a Hulk Hogan, I would trust my title if it's my company with someone who understands what professional wrestling is and what you're supposed to be doing. Uh but that's hard. Like, I really, the two, the two choices that they've given us, I want neither of them. <laughs> and so, and that's WrestleMania. I don't remember WrestleMania 7. I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy it or not enjoy it, but I feel like they painted themselves into a corner, folks. If you listen to this show, Miss Van has 
beautifully said for the longest time that goodwill is burned slowly over time. And I feel like um, recompense time is, is upon us. And every sin is on, is on, is on their hands. Like nothing has happened to them externally. Like this is not the steroid. Uh, it's not Vince McMahon on trial. It's not the company like almost going out of business. This is all self-inflicted mm. by bad choices. And I, Warrior Savage is going to be, I think, a good choice for what it's going to do uh, with Savage. But as far as world champions and world titles, and you got this stupid, ridiculous Sergeant Slaughter angle or keep Warrior as champion for over a year, like I don't want either of those. Yeah, it's, it's poor choices all around. And... Uh... Yeah, once goodwill is burned, it's so hard to get it back. Like, we've talked about a lot of good things will happen in 91 and 92 going on. But, man, they're not going to be drawn like they were before. Like, like the damage is done at this point, I think. Um, and the slaughter stuff, I don't know if that's just the, like I said, the straw that breaks the camel's back. I don't know if it's just Warrior or, you know, something. But, yeah, I mean, even when they get back to some really good stuff, uh, they'll they'll draw some solid numbers, but nothing like they were at their peak. Like it, it it's it's kind of the die has been cast at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was reading some comment sections, and it's about at least the one I was in was about fifty fifty people who feel like we did about the Sergeant Slaughter angle, and then the people who thought, man, this was the hottest thing. Like you know, <laughs> like the fans were rioting every house show, and they were burning the flag on house shows, and they claimed. I think General Adnan claims the FBI and CIA came and stopped him at a house show and told him, you know, we can't stop you from burning the flag, but you're inciting so much. Would you please not do that? I don't know if any of that's true. Uh, General Adnan, of course, was, you know, he he's from Baghdad. So he was he said everything he said in his promos like like that was his heart because, like, you know, he was firmly on that side of it. Wow. So, you know, you got the people who were saying, like, man, this is intense, and this was, like, a hot angle, and then you got people who feel more like we do and say, hey, this was stupid, <laughs> and, like, they shouldn't have been doing it, but... I feel it was, like... It, it, yeah, go ahead. I mean, one, it was demonstrably not hot, because they will completely fail to sell yeah. out WrestleMania, so <laughs> if you believe it was the hottest thing ever, then I believe you're speaking... Uh, from your own personal feeling and not from history, which is fine, which we all do at times. Yeah, but, uh, man, it. I don't know. The people who say that are probably the same people who thought it was like a stroke of brilliance that when somebody dies in wrestling, that has to be a storyline. You know, that's like the hottest thing. That's so real, you know, and that's just that's just uh, it's not me. You know, that that's a totally different thing from my fandom. So I'm just going to push those people to another uh, side of the line, and I'm going to stay on this side. <laughs> yeah, and definitely, we definitely have different, like, you like a lot more stuff than I do, but I think one place we definitely agree, and I had not thought about that, is neither of us are that big of a fan of, like, oh, this person's in hell, and this person, uh, you know, the cheap, 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 because we don't want to write storylines that matter, so we <laughs> go for the low-hanging fruit. Yep. Uh, and timing matters, like, if they had done this six years later, I still would have thought it sucked because they still would handle it poorly and they don't know what they're doing. But there's another shade on it when you're trying to do something in real time. Like it is insensitive no matter what you're doing because you're probably going to do it poorly. Um, someone compared it to the angle that where they were trying to do those beheadings, I think, and I forget who that was. Yeah, Muhammad Hassan and that. Yeah. Way, yeah. Both of them they had to put away because like you had no business like like. 
life figures think some things out for you. Like it's like, yeah, this this is not gonna work. And this is the same thing here. Like they they have to do all this troop stuff during the show that it does not even feel sincere. It feels like, hey, you know, we're doing this disgusting angle. Well, we also um also support the troops, you know. So remember, we support the troops while we're doing this. Uh, and it's just. I don't know. And also, I don't understand. I'm just going to get too much into the story, but that's why wrestling. Like, if I can't take the story seriously, why are we having stories? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, what is Sergeant Slaughter's goal? Like, I asked my, myself a question during the show is, like, does he want to? I, we know that he has had a really radical change about how he feels about the country. Um, I don't know if he wants to destroy the country. I don't know if he wants to take over the company or the country. Does he see winning a championship belt in the WWF as a way to conquer the country? Um, is there a reason that he's not also maybe going overseas to, to maybe help out there? You know, like, I don't really know what his, um, other than the fact that, oh man, I changed my mind. I hate everything I liked and I like everything I hate. Other than that, I don't know what his goal really is. And on the other side, I don't know what Hogan's goal is either, you know, or war. Well, I definitely don't know what Warrior's goal is. I know, I know what Hogan's goal is because <laughs> as soon as Warrior dropped that bell. <laughs> Okay, yes, but like in the same context, I don't know, these patriotic angles, it's always yeah. like, I'm just going to beat up a guy who likes a different country than me, and yeah. it's like, mm, good for you, you know, that's called a hate crime sometimes, so, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's just not very compelling to me, so yeah, you can't really solve your political problems in wrestling, and uh, only Slick is smart enough to cut even promos about them, and he's nowhere near this angle, so it's just not going to work, mm. Yeah. And we've watched Hulk Hogan for many years now. So when he burns the Hulk, when he burns uh, the the shirt, then I understand why there's a feud. But like I said, Hulk Hogan was being John Cena last week and Hulk Hogan is not John Cena and Hulk Hogan does not care. And again, Hulk Hogan does not know the name of Saddam Hussein. I'm not mad at him for not knowing. He doesn't have to know. And I believe him for not knowing because Hulk Hogan, you know, Hulk Hogan and Sting, like, in the 90s, is always aimed at women, but you had the like whole trope of the kind of the beach blonde girl who doesn't know anything, and that's what Hulk Hogan is, and that's what Sting is. They are the actual embodiment of that. Like Hulk Hogan doesn't pay attention to things. Sting doesn't pay attention. They go on the beach and they tan and they work out. And now he doesn't know Saddam Hussein's name. If he doesn't know Saddam Hussein's name, he can't be mad at Sergeant Slaughter. If he can't be mad at Sergeant Slaughter, this is not a feud. So there you go. Yep, Sting and Hogan and Warrior, from Warrior wore a USA jacket, so I guess that's why he's mad. You know. Oh my god, that I will have something to say about that. <laughs> yes, no, Sting and Hogan, both from Venice Beach, where I agree, they, they are just um, airheads walking around that yep. beach, and that's fine, that's their life, you know, so, uh, oh my gosh, um, yeah, I don't know, it's absurd, and it's funny, you said burning the Hogan shirt, and people cared about that, I honestly think the fans... Like, if they had burned the flag, then fans, I think, would have cared about that, too, of course. But um, it's like, when Slaughter was just out there against nobody saying this stuff, nobody cared. They only cared when he fought, like, top stars, like Warrior and Hogan. So do they care about what Slaughter is saying, or do they just care about, like, the top guys, Hogan and Warrior? You know, I think it's really more the latter, to be honest. I would like to tell WWF, if I could, but... You're not you're not a movie product. You're not a movie company. You're not the universe. You're not the country. You are a wrestling organization. Mm. And like if Sergeant Slaughter had changed his opinion because he hated like 
I hate the way Hulk Hogan's been champion, and I hate the way WWS run, and I hate the way I never got my chance. And he was burning the the shirt. I have a feeling it would have got some heat because yeah. it would have made sense. But like nobody is going to try to destroy America by taking over the WWF. <laughs> and that might sound like a small point, but how many times has WWF sucked? Because they got out of pocket. And I'm, from a financial standpoint, I'm not knocking them because, like, they've created deals now. Like, they have legit created deals where they – where not only do they never have to have superstars again. All they have to do is create content and get billion-dollar deals for producing. It's like writing articles, like, five reasons of this. That's what they've turned their company in. So financially, I'm not speaking on that. But what I'm saying is creatively – Every time they get out of pocket, we're a movie company. Our Hulk Hogan's taking over Hollywood. Like every time they get out of pocket, the same thing happens again and again and again. And this is just another time that they did it. And nobody cares. Like people didn't get mad either. We can get into it and maybe we'll have different opinions. But I don't think people got mad when Sergeant Slaughter won the belt. I think they were just like, you know, either (laughs) rustling's fake and I just realized it because that couldn't have happened or – it's weird, like, okay, so if Sergeant Slaughter is a monster who hates the country, and this is all scripted, and we're at war, then the only thing that you could do if you're supposedly doing this for your country is to have Sergeant Slaughter lose. Like, you wouldn't have, like, like we got the troops watching to boost their morale, and then we're going to book Sergeant Slaughter to beat the Warriors, so in, that, in no way does it make any sense. Yeah. No, I agree. The reaction after that match is going to be one of uh, mass confusion, in my (laughs) opinion. So, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense, and it's just another sign that trying to get heat at any cost, Mm. uh, eventually that cost is actually going to be, you know, more than you want to pay, and we're going to see that play out in the the buy rates and in the reactions and the... as time goes by, that that will show up more and more. Absolutely. Despite all of that, and we have to address it because it is the the driving force of the show, but Miz fans already said it. Despite all of that, we have a really good show that is full of Legacy Series favorites. It's full of people, some that we haven't seen shine in a long time. I have no idea. Again, we don't talk about these ahead of time, but there are some segments and some moments that I cannot wait to get your opinion on, and I cannot wait to share mine as well. Yeah, it's a very impressive show, and honestly, we talked about there's a higher buy rate, and uh, I don't know if wrestling fans' brains work this way or not, but I want to believe at least some people looked at this card and was like, wow, this looks like a pretty exciting card. I'm actually going to buy it, not for Hogan, not for Warrior, but for the whole card, because it looks exciting, mm-hmm. and that that's why I would have bought it if I were a kid at that time. I wouldn't have been like, oh... Ultimate Warrior, I got Sergeant Slaughter, I gotta buy that, right? No, hell no. But, um, you know, <laughs> if you look at the rest of this card, like, it's a good card. So I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I enjoyed the show a whole lot. Yeah, and I will say one thing, just to be a little kind to WWF, anyone who has to book 24-7 year after year, like, wrestling is a strange thing, because Hogan Slaughter, bad idea. Pat Patterson saying, we're going to have a Royal Rumble. What's a Royal Rumble? It's a reverse battle royal. Best idea ever. Red Rooster, bad idea. Zombie Undertaker, one of the best ideas of all time. So sometimes it's just not easy to know, Miss Fan. That's very true, and I'm very glad you said that. 
That's perfectly fair. It's super easy for us to sit here and be like, oh, point out the mistakes, you know, and yeah. pick them apart. And I think sometimes we had justification, but at the same time, you're right. You never really know at the time. You have to try it. Sometimes you'll be shocked at the results. Like you said, some of these things that worked uh, on paper, you know, you could have thrown them out the door before they ever saw the light of day just on paper for how stupid they looked. And yet it'll be some of the most iconic stuff. So that's a very good point you made. Thank you, sir. Uh, speaking of bad ideas, we are going to kick off with our announcers. It's Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Roddy Piper in the booth. Oh, my God. And before this, they play the national anthem very pointedly. Uh, mm. And it's funny. They only tend to do that when they're doing angles like this. Um, you know, it, it is not there most of the time, but occasionally it will pop up. And uh, now is one of those times. <laughs> yep. Which is my point earlier. This is not your truth. Just <laughs> stay in your truth. Right. If you love America so much, where has this been for like your last 20 pay-per-views? You know, <laughs> <laughs> It was also interesting. We get a rundown of who's in the Rumble and just weirdly placed Hulk Hogan is the first one we see and Bret Hart is the guy after him. So more and more, you know, I'm starting to understand the world that was and the world that is and the world that will be. Like, I feel them all connected as far as a highway that we can run without almost any holes in the road to get there. That was very Bret Hart-like, the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Roddy Piper is in some ways the punishment. Like we, when you talk about, you know, um, burning goodwill, they, you stop for the most part. We got one or two 87 like storylines here and there, but for the most part, we have stopped trying on so many things. And so it feels like almost the announced booth reflects the, the, the stories like deep, deep stories. Jesse Ventura is in the booth stories that are shallow and you don't need anything. You get Roddy Piper. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some reflection there. Piper will have a moment or two tonight where I will really praise him, but for the most part, I don't know why he is a commentator. I don't think he really wants to be. Mm -hmm. I, I can't tell if he's trying or not because he's Roddy Piper and he's sort of manic. Like, even if he's phoning it in, he'll phone it in in, like, a manic way. But uh, part of me thinks he's, like, phoning it in because it's just like, just go out there and just, like, act Roddy Piper-ish about anything you see, and that's not good commentary, and I feel like that would be reflected at times. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Piper, all in all, is not working out on commentary. I think anybody would say that a promo should be higher energy than three hours of announcing. A promo lasts, like, two minutes. It is a character putting themselves over. They're often in a blood feud while they do it. And even the best promos, if you're a Hogan guy, a Savage guy – uh, Piper guy, we have said probably about all of them at sometimes that was a little bit much or I couldn't understand that. About a two-minute promo in a blood feud where you put yourself over. So then imagine trying to sustain that for three hours in an announce booth about everything that happens. <laughs> yes, and we will see many times over. Being a good promo does not make you a good commentator. Yeah. Um, we'll see it with Piper here, with Savage, with others as they struggle to fill this void left by Jesse Ventura. Um, they're born to put themselves over. Like every show, Gorilla's going to say something about you want to be down there to Piper because, like, <laughs> yes. Yep, okay. it does. So, hats off, man. We're about to get into this first matchup. It is the Orient Express, Tanaka and Kato going against the Rockers. And I already told you at SummerSlam, the Rockers kicked off, I think, in Power and Glory. And it was like the beginning of that SummerSlam. I was like, did I book this show? Because it was so on the money for my taste. The Rockers are starting to get 
a reputation here in the 90s for knowing how to kick off a pay-per-view. Absolutely. This is a famously great match, unlike that other one, which should be famously also known as great in a totally different way. But putting that aside, uh, this is a match that you will hear people talk about to this day as an all-time great pay-per-view opener. Uh, I think it is justly deserving of its conversation because uh, this it's just an incredibly fun match. It's very fast-paced. It's very action-packed. It could sit in almost uh, any later era easily. Um, this, this is a match that really kind of helps make the legend of the Rockers. And uh, at times, I think they have not been so notable, but they are so on their game now. And uh, they're definitely risen up to be... God, probably the best tag team in the company, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I think uh, they don't really have competition for that anymore. Yeah, things have changed. They were always a good tag team, but they were kind of babies. There's often times I say where I feel like Marty Jannetty's on the level of Michaels, yeah. or maybe a little bit ahead of him as like a leader. Those days are gone. Like Shawn Michaels has shot up. Like I think, yeah, uh, even in the Wrestling Observer and other places now. Like, Shawn Michaels is being mentioned by name as having kind of talent beyond. Like, we need to be a little bit afraid and protect what uh, is there. So I think that Marty is probably as good as ever, but I think that Shawn Michaels is becoming Shawn Michaels in real time as well. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, he's very impressive. We singled him out a few times, but really he's, yeah, elevating further and further, I think, and growing into what is going to be a lot of potential, as we well know. Um, but yeah, Marty Chidetti also looking very good in this match. And really, the Orient Express as well. They will get very yes. little shine in this uh, series. But uh, they they do a wonderful job, I think. So it just goes to show that, yeah, sometimes all you need is uh, an opportunity. And uh, you can really show things that you didn't see before. Yeah, I said that this was a Brain Buster smart match without the Brain Busters. This is about as high a compliment as I can give. Because all the spots that would come here and there, they had logic to them. They had callbacks later. Like, one group would do one thing. The other group would realize it. And later, like, there's one spot where I think the Orient Express tag themselves in, and they're going to do a duck down, and then the other guy's going to take out the rocker. But they they trip them up and end up making them run into each other. So the next time they try that... They almost run into each other again, but they called it because the last time, so they stopped that. But then Shawn Michaels runs up on them and throws their heads together. So, like, the match is happening in real time. They're changing their styles in real time. They're changing their offense and defense in real time. And it's just on top of the high spots and what you would expect, it's also a really, really smart match. And it reminds me that some of the best rocker matches before this came at the feet of the Brain Busters. Indeed, and I was thinking as I was watching this match, God, I wish one of those Rockers Brainbusters matches had been on a pay-per-view somewhere, because then I think people would talk about it a lot more. Those were brilliant matches as well, but uh, this is the one that made pay-per-view, this is the one people talk about, and it is great, and uh, it it makes me think, usually uh, in wrestling, as far as I know at least, they kind of let the heels call the match, but I gotta wonder, uh, did they kind of work this out ahead of time? Did Shawn Michaels kind of take charge here? Because it feels more like a Shawn Michaels match, maybe, like some of the kind of stuff we're going to see in the future. I don't mm. know what the deal was, but uh, they really elevated on this night. It's some very good stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, there's a lot of Shawn Michaels-like spots now that you say that from what we're going to see in the future. Mm -hmm. I also have heard 
that th- these teams wrestle on house shows a lot and they just love wrestling each other. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much of this was put together over time, you know, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like this is, it's a sophisticated matchup when if they had just gone out and done, done high spots and the match had been half of what the time it was, you would be saying this was a really good opening match, but it, it is an, it's a really good opening match upon a really good opening match, which is what probably makes it objectively great as an opening match. Yeah, absolutely so. Uh, we, we talked about the show getting a good buy rate, and I think uh, as soon as people started this show, they probably figured out they got their money's worth, because, yeah, no, this is just a great match. It is famously great. Um, probably most people have seen this, but, man, if you have it, definitely check it out, because it is tremendously fun. Yeah. Um Michaels does a running high knee. I've never cared about the high knee because it's always been Brutus's move, so I just thought it was just something that you know is, is average. But I saw someone do it like quickly and with like youth and life, and I liked it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Brutus Briefcake and uh, Triple H being the the oh, yeah. chief users of the move, it's one thing. But yeah, that that's an old Harley Race move, I think yeah, first and foremost. Point. Yeah, so Michaels doing it here too, and uh, looking very good in the process. I forgot about the old formerly bony Hunter Hearst Helmsley and his little bony knee before it before he became before he left his Greenwich snobbery and started going to the gym. <laughs> He'll keep throwing it. He'd probably do it today yeah. if he wrestled again. God knows I haven't seen a Triple H match in a while. That that's fine. So I realized too in this match that this is not shade. This is like a reporting. Roddy Piper knows zero names of the four people in the match. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. He's still, um, you know, people still are not knowing between Michaels and Janetti, but at this point I think it's more of a Piper thing than a Rockers thing. So. Yeah. Man, also, you got to wonder, does he not, like, walk around backstage and, like, get to know these people at all? Like, he must not. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't He does know. not know their names. Yeah, another sign that Piper – I. You've listened to more Piper than I have, so I don't know if you have any idea. But I got to wonder, like, did he want to be here? Did he want to be wrestling? Did he want to be at Hollywood? Did he want to just be, like, wallowing in kind of his tortured Piper existence where he's, like, (laughs) manic and depressive? I have no idea. I don't know if you have any clue about that. (laughs) I do not. I I only know that this was the year. I wonder where we're at as far as have they been told by now that that show that he's doing with Jessica and is not going to happen. Oh, you know, surely. but you got to think that every time this happens, I think it takes a piece of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, these everybody's not the rock folks. Um, Hulk Hogan was going to take Hollywood over with uh, the Zeus movie. Um, <laughs> Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura were going to be regulars on TV. They could finally say goodbye to WWF for good. They don't have to wrestle if they don't want to. Bret Hart, when he loses to Shawn Michaels, is going to go away for six months because he's going to be making, um, what, I forget the show. Um, he's going to do a whole season on the show and then that gets canceled. So I do think that that takes people because there's such an idea of you don't have to wrestle anymore. Like you don't have to hurt yourself. And when they get close to it and it's taken away, this is just me guessing, but that's got to take a little bit out of you. That is tough, yeah. I think uh, every wrestler probably wants to be able to succeed in a field like that that is going to be not so physically and mentally taxing as we know wrestling is. You know, even when you're doing commentary, like so much traveling, so much stuff that you have to do. 
it, it must be tough. I, I don't know if you've ever, or any of our listeners have ever seen the movie They Live, which Roddy Piper did go out mm-hmm. to make with John Carpenter. He's the lead in that, and it is a great movie. So I think if you make a movie like that, maybe you do think, hey, I could have a whole career out there, but then if the opportunities dry up, it's disappointing, you know? And, and Roddy Piper, I think we all probably know that um, he did feel things very keenly. He, he was a sensitive type person in some ways. And, uh, yeah, that, that does have to be hard. And yet I never, I was going to say, I don't feel like he's unhappy when he's out there in a wrestling show. And I'm going to take it back before I say it, because I don't know if that's necessarily true. So I don't know. Piper's a hard one to kind of know the mind of. So I'm just going to maybe leave him alone for the time being. Yeah. I don't think he would know one way or the other, because like you said, he's going to behave the same way, but it's just, this is never going to be a good fit. Like, even if he found out he could never be in Hollywood and he could never wrestle again, and the only way that he could make income would be as an announcer, it still doesn't make it a good fit. You know, the reason that some of these guys are so good is because they're so self self obsessed and they know how to put themselves over. But like, Piper's never going to know every the insides and out of every angle and every wrestler on every card. Like, that's not his interest. So, right. unless we Unless we say the announce booth is just for people to put themselves over, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. And it struck me what you said. Like, Piper himself maybe wouldn't know if he was happy to be there or not. And that, you know, maybe does remind me of kind of the mind of uh, Roddy Piper a little bit. I don't know if his whole life, if you asked him when he was happy or he wasn't, if mm-hmm. he would know for sure. So that... He, he was an interesting guy and uh, probably more tortured than he deserved to be just from all the stuff that happened in his life. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to know. I don't even know why he's in the announce booth when like they had a falling out with Jesse Ventura and Jesse Ventura and Roddy Piper are making a TV show together. So he replaced Jesse Ventura with Roddy Piper. Like the whole thing is just a strange uh, thing in history. Mm, yeah, it is. It really is. Okay. So this matchup uh, again, uh, it goes it goes long. I think around twenty minute mark. Yeah, it's uh, a feature length match. It's very good stuff. The crowd. This is this is a very good crowd. Like I said, and I feel like they owe the hot crowd in part to this match because man, a great opener. You can't understate how important that can be to a show. I, I've been to live shows. I know that if you get fired up by that opening match, man, that energy is probably going to carry you through the rest of the night. You know, unless they really bomb out or something. But, man, it's a great match. It's feature length. The crowd is biting on everything. Very good stuff here. Yeah, and Orient Express is doing a move where they catapult a guy into a chop from Tanaka. They do it once. um, And then the second time around, Michaels disturbs it, I think, and then kicks the guy. So he's bent down. So when Marty Janetti is catapulted, he turns that into a sunset flip and the Rockers get the victory. Yep, yep. As you probably could have guessed from the makeup of the team, I don't think the Orient Express picked up too many wins on big shows, but still a great match, one that I highly recommend. Absolutely. So we go from that because, again, when these shows are right, they are right. So we go from the Rockers and the Orient Express to Sean Mooney and the Macho King Randy Savage. Indeed. We had a lot of uh, no Savage wrestling tonight or any other night till WrestleMania uh, that we're going to cover, I think. But uh, a lot of Savage talk. 
He says he is the number one contender. It doesn't matter if Slaughter or Warrior wins. He reveals that Slaughter has already promised him a title shot if he wins, which I believe he will not deliver on, uh, if I am not mistaken. But um, they they wonder if Warrior will make the same promise. Savage says Sherry is going to bait the Warrior, and uh, we're going to watch on a little screen right now if that's going to indeed happen or not. Yeah, and Legacy Series listeners know what to say and what to feel and what to recall uh, when we see Macho Man in the back with with a screen in front of him. <laughs> yes, he's not in a darkened little room this time, but yes, there are definitely vibes of that. And I will say, yes, you mentioned it, but man, Savage, like, he's going to be bursting at the seams with energy tonight, the way he moves, the way he talks, the way he runs. Uh, it will all speak to the great energy of Randy Savage. And, man, I don't know how he can watch this show and possibly be like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's past it. You know, we don't need him anymore. Like, he he pops more than almost anything on the show, to be honest. So Yeah, he, he he's not being like 1987 or 88. He, he went and took 1987 and 88 and brought it with him. Yes. Like, he is... This is MVP level work. Like I don't know who in the history of wrestling has ever been like Savage and Sherry together. Mm. Yeah, no, they're the real dream team. Sorry, Elizabeth, but uh, Sherry is lapping you right now in terms of uh, contribution. I don't know who does what they do like they do it. They this is like, and I didn't even think about it. like we we got this whole fake. Like, this is like an example of the war that's going on. Slaughter and Hogan, Warrior and Hogan. You have a natural disaster in your building. You got a tornado, and it's like high alert. It's taking the ceiling off. The walls are falling down. The arena's coming unglued, and you're not really paying attention to it. But watch. I have always said I love the ongoingness of storylines and I don't like it rushed as far as don't do everything Vince Russo in one week. <laughs> so it's hard to explain what I'm about to say because we got ongoingness from Savage and Sherry, but they did 10 things in 10 minutes, but not in a way that hurt the story, but in a way that says these two vagabonds have come to the building fed up, like, you can imagine the car ride where they're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to challenge the warrior? Are we going to try to make friends with the warrior? No, we're just, here's 11 things we're going to do. And if until one of them works, we're going to do all of them. And we're going to do them at the same time. And we're going to declare on the, 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 the microphone what we're about to do. And we're going to do it anyway. And nobody's going to stop it. Like, these, these are people who in one way need a parental figure in their life and they don't have one. And we're pretending like Savage is too old. So we're also putting him on the sidelines. And all that we did was leave these two without a babysitter so that they could sit and talk to each other and come up with plans. And what they did is they went down to hell and they got the flames of hell and they're going to unleash them in the building. They're Disney characters again. They got magical powers again. They are untouchable again. They can run fast. They can proclaim. They can do things. They can lie. They can do anything that they want to do. And everybody around them is locked into stupid storylines like Warrior and Hogan and Slaughter. And they can't move because they're like, I'm in stupid storyline. And everybody, I've been given my script. 
Well, nobody gave a script to these two. It's like they, this is almost like NWO invading WCW and you think they're from the WWF. This is an invasion of two people who we forgot were in the company and they are about to have their way on this building and they're going to do it all night long. And it is beautiful, folks. It is beautiful to behold. Yeah, no, there's tremendous energy coming off of these two. And I'll say as far as them doing a lot in a short amount of time, I think it shows the impact when maybe only one person is doing that instead of everybody, at which point it mm. becomes indecipherable. But, yeah, no, the energy of both of these on this show, the only thing I'll say is I'm not sure I can imagine them in a car, but, like, if they rode brooms here or yes. something, I can imagine them having that conversation on the broom <laughs> ride to the building. That's wonderful. I love it. And we know how stupid the Ultimate Warrior is. So Randy Savage will say Sherry's going to go out there and bait <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, you know, and that's another thing that if it was done differently would irritate me because why are you going to say it? Well, you're going to say it because you are obnoxious and arrogant and the ultimate warrior is stupid. So you feel like you can say it and then do it and still get away with it. <laughs> well, in fairness, the ultimate warrior is also obnoxious and arrogant, as we will see. Yeah. Here's my like. Like this. this is, there's a lot of good I could say about this segment. But, man, why do they have to do all this? To get a freaking number one, you know, a title shot anyway, like, Randy Savage is a top contender, and aren't babyfaces supposed to, like, take on all comers? Like, what? what is Ultimate Warrior, what is his problem? Like, I know he's got so many problems, but man, what a dick, so, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I will, um, that's one place I will also agree with, Conrad said the same thing, so I'll give credit where it's due, is like, sure. so is the whole storyline that the babyface doesn't want to defend his title. <laughs> Right, yeah, like, he's, he's too afraid or something, or just too much of a dick, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's saving up that title shot for Tugboat, Hogan's friend, you know, actually, like, yeah. I have no idea what Warrior's thinking. Who can ever know what Warrior's thinking? You know, he, he will shake his head in a way that I can't even describe, because it's so terrifying. It's like if a bobblehead did cocaine, mm. um, and he will just scream one word in this whole segment and add nothing, like... You know, I thought of this when you posed that question of should we stick with Warrior or go to Slaughter, and I just pictured him shaking his stupid head like an insane person, and I th we I thought we can't stick with this moron, like it just can't be. So yeah, at minimum we should have turned on some daytime soaps. I don't know what was on, uh, <laughs> Guiding Light or General whatever. Hospital, was on. definitely. I'm sure yeah, my mom we, watched it right at this time, still does. So I really feel like this man does not like. She is going to attempt to seduce you, and then nobody explained what seduction is or what, or what maybe what sex. I think we need to go back a few steps because he looks like he is out there and like he is being um, introduced to something for the first time in his life. <laughs> I'll say it once again. He makes Sting look better by comparison because at least he knew what Medusa was trying to do. Yeah. For God's oh, sake. Oh yes. Oh, Sting knows. <laughs> This is so, like, I won't tell you this one thing because, folks, here, here's the thing. I am thankful for some podcasts because they do have access to people in the business. And even though I never get the answers that I want, I always at least have a place that I can go to at least try. So I don't want to, you to think, hey, I'm just insulting these people all the time. But one of them will say that Sherry did a really poor job, like, with her. Oh, oh my God. I so. want to fight these people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that because it's not true, number one. Number one, like, what what an ask 
like go out there in front of a full building and like throw yourself at somebody in front of everyone. You know, you're asking someone to do something that probably makes them uncomfortable at least a little bit. But then number two, like maybe because I was I was a young kid. And so like this, who knows? Oh, man, I, I don't want to think about that. But this might have been one of my first ways of being exposed to such things in my life. But I remember Sherry from like being a kid and like her whole this whole thing. I didn't I don't remember Warrior, but I remember Sherry. Like she she stood out as just a character and someone who there's power in everything she does. Like if you think that she's dangerous, if she comes out there and attacks you, like I would much rather she come out there and attack me than to come out there and try to pretend like she's being nice to me. Like that scares me even more. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know how you could watch this segment and be like, oh, of the people out there, it was Sherry who didn't do a good job yeah. because Warrior will give her nothing nothing to the point where I was kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like, she, yeah. and she keeps asking him to say something, and at some point it almost feels like it goes beyond the promo and, like, he's missing his lines or something. Yes. And, like, uh, she's out there by herself. Like, she's, she's talking to a blank wall, a guy who can contribute – absolutely nothing to this segment so yeah for god's sakes i i've i've decided just now strongly i am all in favor if the choice between warrior and slaughter in this angle i am all in on slaughter if that's the only choice i have then i i have no hesitation anymore one thing i will say about you that i respect deeply is when you make an a when you make a decision you make a decision <laughs> and like i respect that because it, you know we've been we've been saying a lot of things but i, I love the fact that stand by your convictions and you're right like i didn't want to use the word but like it does it gets to be uncomfortable in a way that you feel like she's doing something to him that should not be allowed to be done and that's not what the purpose of it should be because uh, maybe it is in wwf maybe your good guys are so good that he can't even like you know like evil like like i think we find out her lips like her lips have such a foul smell to them and he's sniffing his fingers. Oh you know, so maybe that is actually the storyline in stupid WWF at this time. But isn't it also the case that we've already got a champion who nobody can understand or relate to? And wouldn't it make more sense if at least for a second he's like, oh, my goodness, OK, here's a thing that's happening. and It's got my attention. And then he makes a decision. Just like you said, like we are now putting over like. Learn to be a better actor like Sting, which, you know, should never, ever be said. But this is where we're at with this thing. Oh, my God. Based on this segment, I, I can only assume that uh, in in 92, I think, he'll come back and one of his uh, outfits will be a horrifying, like, flesh-colored uh, <laughs> outfit that looks like his naked body. But the crotch <laughs> is, like, completely smooth. There's nothing there. Maybe that was anatomically correct for the warrior. Maybe he's mm. just like this frightening, sexless uh, creature that doesn't even understand what's happening here. Like, based on his reaction, that would not surprise me. Like, he does not react like a human or even somebody approximating a human would ever react to anything. Yeah. <laughs> even with WWF, too, like I said, either for being the good guy champion or for being like maybe a warrior who maybe that's just not even appealing to him. Like, that could be the idea in this yeah. era. Hulk Hogan would have definitely left with her and then came back and not defended the title. So <laughs> there, are, there are different ways to be horrible. Hulk Hogan, like, he probably would have raised my ire, too, in this segment. But, man, he would have given her so much 
to work with. He would have reacted to everything that happened. He would have played to the crowd. He would have, yeah, probably like teased that maybe he would do it. Yeah. He would have, he would have worked on this and you know, it wouldn't have been the greatest thing ever, but man, it would have been a whole lot better than what we got. If she could have done with this, this was slaughter and he could have, he could have reacted and his weird voice that he uses. And man, it would have been something at least like they would have at least had a conversation that a human being could look at without being like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. The best of Hulk Hogan was that darkness can have an effect and you need something on your side that pulls you back and pulls you out. You know, if darkness cannot have an effect, then why are we watching this? You know, if warrior is beyond any of these people, then don't waste our time by putting them on TV. So, I think Sherry does an absolutely great job. And like we said, she's out there by herself, you know, and she, again, is completely phony. Like nobody's going to believe that she's sincere, but at the same time, it's so different and it's in real time. It, at the least, it ought to throw you off. Mm, yeah. Like Ultimate Warrior's out there like, oh, she's doing the thing that they told me on the script she was going to do. Why would I fall for that? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, the embodiment of kind of evil, like Savage and Sherry are about as dark as you get in this era. And all of a sudden she goes from like, we want your title shot to like, I want you, you at least like have to react to the shift, <laughs> you know, but there's not even react. He's just standing the same way and he just lets her do whatever she wants to do, but also has no response to it. And then it just makes her look bad because then I don't know if she even kissed him, but then she acts like, oh, that's the most amazing thing ever. And I'm like, it didn't even happen, did it? And then the warrior's sniffing his fingers. Um, There's a lot going on uh, in this segment in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure everyone has pieced it together. If you haven't seen it, in case you haven't, yes, Sherry comes out to the platform. Um, she, she demands Warrior come out and give her a title shot. Warrior comes out. He's wearing a stupid American jacket, like you said. And I, does he even know, like, what the USA is? Does that exist on his planet? No. No, it doesn't. We, we know it doesn't. Someone handed him that jacket, and he's wearing it. Um, so she talks to Warrior. Warrior says nothing. Sherry's, like, hitting on him. Warrior doesn't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> he just stands there for so long, and it's so absurd. And she does try to kiss him. He, like, jerks his head away, but then he, like, smiles, like, eh, weirdly. <laughs> Like, I don't know what he's, it's, it's a weird, weird smile. And then, yes, he's smelling his finger and his finger like never touched her, but he's smelling his finger anyway. And he's acting like it smells bad. And man, if your finger smells bad, I think that's your problem. Like that's nothing to do with Sherry, man. So, uh, eventually, yes, he's, he just like, what does he do? He spits on the ground. He shakes his head in a horrifying way. And I really don't watch this segment, but if you do watch him, shake his head in a really scary way, and he just screams, no! And then, yeah, that that's what Warrior does. So credit to Sherry, credit to Savage after this, because we cut to Savage, and he freaks out and starts, like, trashing the locker room, and then he sprints just an absurdly long distance to get to Sherry at amazing speed. So, man, like... When he had that year off, he should have gone to the Olympics or something because, wow, like Savage is bursting with energy tonight. Yes, and there's some 
object that he swings and breaks against the wall and it is it is the same image that we're later we're going to see across the warrior's head so it's just a beautiful parallel uh moment very good savage running out there uh and sherry again like sherry's on her knees when and again when she tries to kiss warrior and when she's on her knees like warrior gives this little satisfaction of like i have power and i'm above you but i'm also not interested in you creepy yeah so warrior warrior again is an f sherry is an a yes. like and the savage is an a as well like and he's not done like but both of them will come out again uh something was unleashed like they have been bottled up for a little while i think and there's no reason for it like i'd love the dusty DiBiase feud but you didn't need savage to be the kind of passive person you could have done that a different way but the, the 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 cork was popped, the bottle was opened, and they have been loosed, and it's good for all of us. Mm, absolutely, I say Savage, that run that that's an A plus plus run. Like you got to see him move from one side of the arena to yes. the other. I've never seen anything like it. It's incredible. No, you're you're 100 percent right. Uh, this is is as good as it gets, and it's also like. We're going to see him in the Warrior matchup, and he's going to be off to the side. And, like, in my mind, I had a moment where I was like, was he even hiding and waiting for the Warrior, or was he still just running around the building from earlier and they happened to intersect with each other? It's so possible. I have never seen – I've maybe never seen anybody move like Savage moves on this night. It's absurd. The speed, the energy, like – you know, <laughs> it's funny, like, I don't know, you can watch this show and be like, he's past his prime, but if you watch WrestleMania 4 or something, you're like, oh yeah, this guy, like, maybe, weirdly, he doesn't have it anymore, like, he has it more on this night than he has on some of the bigger nights of his career, so pay attention to Randy Savage tonight. We've never seen this, we talked to you years and years ago as far as he can surround the ring with just himself. Mm. But that's the ring. He surrounded the arena tonight with just himself. Yeah, let that sink in. And he really does. It's insane what he can do on this night. It's crazy. It is crazy and it's beautiful because to me, if you want to know how much you bottled him up, how much you have not used him properly, like... What he is releasing needs more rooms than this. Because he starts, like, I was just talking about he fills the arena, and he does. He runs to the stage, he runs to the ramp, he runs down the aisle, he runs to the sides. But he started in the back. So he's, like, using the entirety of the building, not just the out, not just the open arena. And he's just running around it, and he's not getting tired, and his energy's not fading. Like, there's a beautiful, we've, we've said this about, um, Sometimes you're the best that you ever were when you're coming up rather than when you become champion because you, you have all that freedom and you don't yet have the container on you because you're not yet that guy. But I think another side of that is once in a while when you are no longer a priority or not as much of a priority, but you're not just being jobbed out, but you got more freedom again. It's almost like you go back into that place that you were before you were the guy. And this feels like that again from Randy Savage. Yeah, no, it, it really does. Um, 
I, Randy Savage will miss his number in the Rumble. Uh, they will theorize that he fled the building, which I, you know, he probably didn't even get in a car or a broom to get on the highway. He probably just ran down the highway and, uh, you know, sped out all the cars. But, uh, man, if he had been in that Rumble, they would have had to think of some crazy way for him to eliminate himself because nobody's throwing out Savage on a night like this. He probably would have run too fast at the ropes and just, like, flown up into the air and that would have been his elimination you know when he touched the ceiling instead of the floor so man savage tonight yeah no that's a great point you know there's a certain and i think we've seen it with other people too there are certain people who just don't react to the pressure of being champion as well as some others do but when you take that pressure off and they can just be like a big part of the show, but not like the main part of the show. They excel so much. Maybe that is Savage. I don't know. He 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 has his good moments as champion, especially his run coming up. I have a lot of love for. But I think you can really say probably his best career moments are when he is not the champion. I think a lot of my favorite favorite people are those people, and yeah. so yeah, you know, because I'm a story guy. I don't think I don't think. It's separated that I'm a character and story guy and the folks who are more highly sensitive. So they're more alive to detail are also the ones who can't take that pressure. And so just let them be then, you know, yeah. let the guy hold the belt sometimes that you don't really want to see as long as you're getting, you know, the best from these other guys. Because right now, if I could be one person, it wouldn't be Hogan winning the rumble. It wouldn't be Warriors standing there like an idiot, like, I want to be Randy Savage. I want to know what that feels like. Like, watch it, man. He played baseball, but I don't know. To me, he must have been center field and hit first and stole bases because if you watch him, I don't know if he's just fast and that's his physical ability. Like you said, we're not exaggerating, or if that's just the madness, like that fuel pack that is behind him. But it's astounding what it, Warrior runs to the ring every night, and I don't care. I just realized that. <laughs> I don't know. That, like what it the difference like is, but there's yeah. a difference. Oh man, like I don't know if you can articulate the difference, but if you watch them both run, you will see the difference immediately. You'll be crazy not to. I'll say if he ran like this when he was playing baseball, he would have just come out and stolen all four bases, you know, <laughs> and just every time because it's absurd. I can't stress enough what he can do on this night. And, yeah, Randy's a, a, a ground out to shortstop would turn into an inside the park home run. <laughs> Isn't Absolutely. It? And here's the thing, and this is, I guess, why spirituality, I think, is in my top five via character strengths. If you ever want to get your own via character strengths, you can check out what you're strong in and what you're not. But paradox to me is so true. And here's something I'm thinking. Ultimate Warrior runs to the ring so he has a physical destination. And I think that's why I don't care, because he has a place to run. Randy Savage had no place to run. Which means he really, really, really had a place to run, but it was not a physical place. Mm. Like he was running towards something that we can't see and maybe he can't see. And so I'm not so interested in someone running to a ring when they could also walk to a ring. Mm. But when you're running to something and you might also be running from something and you might know, but you might not know. And I might know, but I might not know, but we all know then we know, and there's something worth watching. And I don't know what Savage is running towards, and I don't know what he's running from. Like, in my mind right now, there's almost this thing with, like, who am I with Sherry? Who am I as Macho King? Who am I as a heel? 
and like who am I not as champion? There's so many things that I think that I don't want, but I thrive in it. And then there's all these things that I want, like Elizabeth's on the horizon, the WWF titles on the horizon, but I'm never going to run again like I'm running right now. And I don't think I think he's running from things and I think he's running towards things and I think he's nearly going to burst. And it's another reason that he's about to take over the WWF again and be one of the top storylines for a while. Yeah, he's he's very much on point. And I got to wonder as well. Um, did he already know at this point that they were going to put him on the shelf for a while? Because, man, mm. when you're coming to the end end run of something, you're not holding back anymore. You're giving every every bit of what you got left. You're leaving it all on the field, as they say. And mm-hmm. I kind of think he probably already knew because the words retirement, I think, already came out of his mouth once. Um, so, yeah, I think he knows where they're going. I think he's putting maximum energy into the time he has left. Uh, it's not my impression that he wanted to be put on the shelf because he will kind of make a lot of noise to come back as soon as possible. But still, um, I think you're seeing the effect of that on this night. And you're going to see it all the way through WrestleMania. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a man that has nothing to lose and has, like, if you ever, like, were at a job for a long time and then you gave notice, but you, let's say you're working another few weeks, few months, like, you could give anything that you wanted to it because, like, you know you're not doing it for another 10 years. Mm, yeah. Like, the space is reduced, and all Savage is going to do within it is shine. Mm. I love this guy. Like, this – I had almost forgotten how much I loved him because, again, when he's hitting, he's hitting, and then he'll fade away. But I forgot once upon a time we said that one of the main reasons we were going to do the show was for some Macho Man stuff, and now he is, again, rewarding us for that idea. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when is the last time we felt this positive about Savage. Probably WrestleMania five, right? Mm, yeah. That that's there there's a lost year in there. And it's not maybe lost is too strong because there's good stuff in there. We enjoyed the Dusty feud, but as you said, as we have said, he's kind of a passive guy in that he's a passenger and there's not a lot of reason for that feud to exist. Uh, he's had that good stuff with Sherry. He's been in the back with the cauldron. He's been the Disney villain. So there's good stuff in that year. But, like, they have not been doing justice to Randy Savage in that time, I think. Like, he has not really had strong stories. Uh, WrestleMania Five was an amazing story. But after that, he's with Zeus. And then he's, like, just with Dusty. And it's, like, he's just fighting Dusty. It just It's fine. Get over it. Don't worry about it. You know? It's, like... So, yeah, now we are getting more into this character aspect, and he is really reaching back up to his full potential, and it's just great to see, and you just wish um, that that time wasn't wasted in the meantime, because there there was more to give. As good as some of that stuff is, there was more to give in that time. Yeah, I would just say, I think booking matters, prioritizing matters, because yeah. it's almost worse sometimes when you see people like Sherry and Savage, like who are maxing out their characters, but then there's no space to deliver because it's almost like if you're so good, why does, why does all this anger or planning or scheming go nowhere? Right. You know, so it doesn't matter how good you are if you can't like ever make good on it. So I think that they've been, they've been top notch the whole time, but right now they are finally getting a chance to shine in that way. And again, I get it. warrior. like, I get why you don't want to defend the title, but like Sherry said, <laughs> You, you're not honorable and you're a coward if that's the case, and maybe you are, but you know, run away, we warrior. We know he's not honorable, so yeah. 
That's the one thing that you can't argue on the show, no matter if you're a babyface uh, apologist, no matter who you are. I think Warrior is going to get what he deserves. Yeah, Warrior ducking Savage for no good reason. So, um, yeah, take that for what you will. Like, how in the world is Sergeant Slaughter a number one contender? <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know what he did. to. Uh, he didn't even win at Survivor Series. No. So, you know, what, what? what is that all about? Okay, so we're going to go from that um, arrangement to our next matchup. It is the Barbarian, of course, managed by Bobby Heenan, taking on the big boss man. <laughs> it's funny how um, uh, oh, I want to articulate this the right way. Basically, uh, the first match on the show is Beloved, and uh, the second match is like there's no conversation about it. It might as well not exist in the narrative, and yet... I enjoy them on, I would say, pretty much the same level. I think this is a brilliant match. I think it's a match that everyone should pay attention to and love and appreciate the way I do. But it's a different style. It's two big guys. And, you know, for a long time, it was like the worst crime in the world to be a big guy, regardless of what you could do. Um, you know, nobody probably goes off the top rope except, well, maybe Big Boss Man does, but, uh, you know, we can't give him credit for that, I guess. I don't know what it is. Like, this is a great match. It's super fun to watch. It's attached to a really good storyline. There's so much to appreciate in this match. I have nothing but good things to say about it, and I am sad that people do not talk about this match the way I think they should, but I'm going to talk about it tonight because it is a wonderful match. I will definitely let you have your moment. I enjoyed parts of it. I think it could have been a maybe shorter match and been more beautiful, but uh, I think partly this is like, I don't know, how much of it do you think is, because this has got Bobby Heenan, who you have covered from top to bottom, Indeed. and then we had Perfect in Boss Man. So what is making all this pop so much for you? Do you think it's Boss Man? Do you think it's Heenan? Do you think it's a combination? Oh, man. I mean... Certainly, there's an element of combination. It's even Barbarian, who I like a lot, but I think the guy who's really driving this at this point is Big Boss Man. Mm. Uh, you've got just the way he moves. You you were so right. You call him almost an X-Division type guy. Yeah. He's totally got that vibe. He's so fast. The way he punches is amazing. He's throwing up big boots where his his foot is like flying over his head practically, where he can just do stuff that he yes. should not be able to do. He is falling out of the ring and getting his foot like hung up in a way I've never even seen before and getting hung upside down and getting beaten up. Bobby Heenan is throwing shots at him and he's he's looking for that revenge. He's so fired up. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really think it's Big Boss Man who's driving this first and foremost. I just think he is an amazing, almost Vader-level talent, and everything he does pops for me so much in this period that I really can't stress it enough. He taught me something on his big boot, because we call we call it the big boot. It's almost the big leg, because, like, <laughs> your leg and your foot, when people do a big boot, it's all the same thing. It's all stiff and it's all straight. But he lifts his leg up, but then he uses his foot, like, like with the precision that you would paintbrush someone's face with your hand like he does that with his foot in extension on the big boot oh. it's like yeah. a slap with the with the with the with the foot <laughs> but like yeah. the control of a straight leg yeah it, it's incredible and it shouldn't be possible just looking at boss man i don't know i don't know what boss man does around this time but it's like 
you know, he's 300 pounds, but he's also like 200 pounds. You know, it, it's yeah. amazing just the way he moves and even the way he is moved around by others because Barbarian is able to like pick him up and throw him around in ways that don't make any sense. And part of that is Barbarian is just underrated and very strong, but just something about Big Boss Man in this time, he has like anti-gravity powers or something like he is bending the laws of physics in ways that should not be able to bend. Yeah, this is another true story. So he is going to clothesline Barbarian over the top, but do it in a way that throws both men over the top rope. Yeah. And before I could finish writing the word clothesline, he had gone over the top rope and come back in the ring before I could write the single word on the paper. <laughs> He's got that Randy Savage speed at this yeah. time almost. He, he can move in ways that that should not be, and it's really incredible. He also had dropped some weight when he for the babyface run. I think, I think he took his babyface run super seriously. Yeah. You know, and he was ready for a push, and like he met the moment. And it's not always it's not always easy. Like we're human beings. Sometimes we're our best and our worst, and we're our worst and our best. But there are also these moments where people rise to the occasion at the time of the occasion, and I think that's what Big Boss Man did. Man, I'm ready to say. Forget the rest. Big Boss Man should have beaten Slaughter at WrestleMania at this point. He should have taken that title home with him because, man, out of probably the top three baby faces in the company are him, Warrior, and Hogan. And, man, one of these guys is incredibly motivated, and two of these guys are not. So, I don't know. Maybe that's insane on my part. But uh, that that's honestly what I was thinking during this match. I am on. Here's, a, here's my uh, philosophy. While I did not experience this at the level that you did, I'm also not offended by it. So I have no strong art. I think when when someone has this kind of experience, you just let them have it. So <laughs> if you want to make him world champion, I don't know that if I would do that, but I'm also I, I'm not going to comment against it. I want you to have your world, my friend, and let Bossman do whatever he wants in it. All right, fair enough. Well, we'll leave it at that then. But uh, I love I, it though. Like we, you know, we need to have our. This is a show that we try to sometimes be critical. We try to be creative. We try to be fans, you know, and the fandom, the fandom moments don't always come. So like you, you ride that thing. Like I'm a big boss man. I'm a big, big boss man fan. I'm not like this match was not what it was for you. And I don't know if I'd make him world champion, but like, I want to hear you tell a story about it. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I hope everyone gets a chance to watch this match. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, or at least as much as the Mystic did. Uh, I think there is a tremendous amount of good stuff in here, and uh, it is well worth checking out, I think. There's also a moment. Barbarian is so strong that he does a roll-up on Big Boss Man, where Boss Man is supposed to kick out at two, but he folds Boss Man's legs over his head to the mat where he has to release the roll up by half because there's no way Bossman is kicking out and he has to like re- release it so he can kick out. That's how strong he is. I think that was all accident, but that's just the barbarian. Yeah, no barbarian. Uh, <laughs> when the, when the powers of pain split up, uh, Bobby Heenan got the barbarian and uh, slick got the warlord and monsoon every week would give Heenan crap. It was like, Oh, well, I guess you got the worst end of the deal. And I'm thinking monsoon, open your eyes, man. Barbarian is awesome. And warlord is well he's the warlord so uh that mm. that was a little baby face um something <laughs> not even privilege just baby face bald face lying mm. uh on the part Real of the <laughs>
I had a I had a little bit that I didn't get to do. The first matchup I had was like good match, but it was a little nerve holdy. And then this one I had a good match, but a little bear huggy. <laughs> That's fair. You know, it's still the early '90s. You know, you're gonna see a bit of that in yeah, there. So. Absolutely. I, I can uh, tolerate that without much trouble as long as the rest of the match is good. You know, take take a moment. It can help sometimes. You know, you get too many matches now, which are just like go, 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 yeah. go, go. So if you want to do a little of that, I, I'm not going to complain. I have no problem. That little arrow button in my corner helps me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good feature of the network for sure. So. It is. I used to love the cross. I'm not knocking this match, but... I'm seeing the crossbody roll through more times than I than I thought it was out there. <laughs> it is uh, a commonly used device for sure, uh, but still, how impressively used by these huge guys yeah. right in this one. So a barbarian, I believe, off the top rope, flying attack, Bossman reverses over into that pinfall victory. There's another match too that you you realize by fans chant weasel. So as Bobby Heenan fans, sometimes it's hard to know, but like he is so afraid of the boss man and he's apologized because he knows what he did was wrong but the moment that the boss man is down he goes over there and he just has to kick him one time <laughs> you know so the, uh, yeah. the bobby heenan boss man feud is is money oh it's brilliant yeah that's gonna go on to wrestlemania uh boss man and heenan will even wrestle each other on uh on, on house shows and such i'll try to dig up one of those matches i think um they're pretty short as you might imagine but uh they're very satisfying so very good stuff uh, I want to say this as well. We've talked um, a lot about uh, Survivor Series being one of the better pay-per-view, you know, more consistently good at this time. And I do agree with that. But I would ask re- uh, fans to compare and contrast between Survivor Series and this Royal Rumble. How many uh, cheap disqualifications and bad countouts and so- all this stuff. They were, they were really running rampant at this last Survivor Series. I don't think we have a single bad finish on this whole show. So that that's something to say in favor of the Rumble, I think. Yeah, and that was definitely a Survivor Series that could have been much better than it was based oh, on yes. choices made throughout the night. Yes. I will not slander the early Survivor Series, but this last one, well, yeah, it had some uh, glaring weaknesses that we yes. did cover. And this one is surprisingly, like to me, this is surprisingly good for the, how good it is yeah. considering a lot of things. Oh, it could have been a lot worse with just a little... A few tweaks could have made this a much worse event, but everything really came off well, I think. Absolutely. So we're going to go from uh, that comment to oh Sean Mooney, who is with Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan. Yeah, it's worse. Um, so <laughs> I, is it, I thought, is it always Adnan or is Iron Sheik around here too? Because I thought yeah, I saw him. Yeah, it will eventually okay. be three people. Yeah. <laughs> They've got their three. That will last miraculously till SummerSlam. So yeah, yes, that's how we uh, get the handicap match. Oh my God, the match made in hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's bellowing yeah. in Arabic. Uh, there are stupid faces being pulled. What is up with Slaughter? Like I know he's got a big chin, but I feel like in this whole run he's like sticking his chin out ten times yeah. farther and just making this stupid face the whole time. It's very strange. He looks like a grandma who is not particularly mean or angry. <laughs> Yeah, just very intrigued, maybe. Very interested in what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. Sonny. Oh, yeah, I can see that now. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> like, he, the whole time he's looking like he just asked you a question and he's intently waiting for you to respond. Yep. You got it. You got it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my. Um, so he will, he will face the ultimate puke, and puke is his favorite word now, so. I gotta yeah. say. The whole ultimate puke and the maggots and the puke and the maggots. Like, he remind, if he's a villain to me, he would be on Salute Your Shorts, and he would not be taking over the country. <laughs> oh my god. That's a great reference. Alright. Because I can really imagine, like, oh, we're going to play Capture the Flag outside, and then one guy decides, I'm going to be the villain in this game. And that's what Sergeant Slaughter is to me. But he is not a man. I don't, I don't. I haven't believed him for one second that he wants to do harm to anybody and that he is trying to destroy anything. I don't I don't buy it. And, like, he doesn't – like, Yokozuna not speaking might be the best thing to ever happen for him because you know, he didn't have to sell, like, the whole – I hate this country, but I want to live in it and be the world champion for a company in it. Like, none of that even makes sense. So, I think the minute you have to start speaking, then it's like, what? wait, none of that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, uh, an unconvincing performance from Sergeant Slaughter. I would have to agree. And speaking of, now he has yeah. Ultimate Warrior as well. And he is, why does he, why do you think he pulls on invisible levers all the time? Because... <laughs> That that's all I could think that he's doing in this this promo. I don't know. He's always reaching up for something and grabbing he is, it. Yes, so. and never gets there. He never <laughs> arrives. Uh, he tells us he only takes orders from warriors that ride on his back, and he snorts mm. like a pig. And that is the extent of my notes. Yeah, yeah, something about foxhole. I don't know what. And <laughs> you know, those two back to back promos, and that's who we decided to go with to main event the Royal Rumble. Uh, world title matchup and let Randy Savage run around while we, you know, I don't get it. I don't get this match. I don't think, I don't believe Sergeant Slaughter and I don't even think Ultimate Warrior would know what Sergeant Slaughter is trying to do. So <laughs> there's no point in this. Ultimate Warrior is not, he's not going to save a country with it. He's not even part of the world that, you know, none of it makes any sense. And yet here we are. And again, the fans though, I got to keep, I got to keep reporting as honestly as I can. The fans are big time into Ultimate Warrior again on the show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, fan reaction for this, so uh, something worked for the live crowd here. Maybe they're just fired up by the good show they saw already. Maybe they really were Ultimate Warrior fanatics. Maybe they really just loved America, and they couldn't believe that Sergeant Slaughter would uh, would act so mean. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, they, they thought Sergeant Slaughter was going to get his comeuppance, and it wasn't going to be close. Yeah, I, I, I really think so. That definitely felt like what we were expecting here, so... Uh, uh, I did find it funny. Grill Monsoon trips over himself to assure us that the views of Sergeant Slaughter do not reflect the WWF or even the views of the Arabs mostly in the world. So mm. they're like hedging their bets, which is good, I guess, that they said that. It's sure not what they were implying the whole time, but they yeah. at least said it at some point. So, yeah. And in a way, it does reflect the WWF because you're the it one does. booking it. Yes. It's, it's you know, so. <laughs> Like if you got to apologize, this is what I try to say though. If half the show you're apologizing for what you're doing and the other half you're doing it, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> maybe you should stop. Yeah. Oh my god. This almost reminds me of Lex Luger at SummerSlam '93 in that Warrior will clothesline both of them and go through their flagpole that they're trying to use and then break the flag. And there's just like a standing ovation, like he's already won the match and the thing is over. And I really think. Everybody thought that the thing was as good as over, and all this was like that little spot at the beginning is what people thought the whole match was going to be. I definitely get that vibe. I mean, once once Slaughter wins, like 
the crowd will die for a while. Yeah. Like they will just not know what to think. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. I know you weren't quite watching at this point, I think. So if anybody was watching, and I know a few of our listeners were, um, tell me what you thought at the time. Was this just like completely shocking to you that this would happen? Or I don't know. Like, I just want to know what that uh, lived experience was because I don't have a clue. We're also in an era where Vince loves bodies and Sergeant Slaughter is shaped like a rubber made trash can. And so I don't think anybody thinks that the ultimate warrior is going to fall to Sergeant Slaughter and is going to tap out to the uh, I can't think of the name of it. The camel clutch. The camel clutch. There you, go. you know, I'd like to know. I guess Miss fans right because I, I wasn't watching it this time. So. Did you think Sergeant Slaughter was going to beat the Ultimate Warrior? And if so, how so and why so? Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, so Ultimate Warrior, he breaks the flag, and then he's just he's just Warrior, so there's nothing much to talk about with him. Um, I will give Sergeant Slaughter a bit of credit. Uh, I thought this match could have been worse, Yeah. at least. I thought he worked to at least try to make it a little bit better. He will take some really crazy bumps. At one point, he like bumps over the turnbuckle, down onto the floor. He's a big guy and a guy with a lot of wear and tear to be doing stuff like that. But he, he is putting in some effort, at least physically, into this, even if I have not been impressed by his promos or anything. Yeah, I credited his bumps, too. And I also credited WWF for keeping the match short and making it like four people are involved for the entirety almost of the match. <laughs> yes, that was very wise. Uh, certainly the highlight for me is you referenced it earlier. At one point, Old Warrior will kind of be uh, up up in the aisle, and mm. Randy Savage will just explode out of nowhere, like out of the darkness, and suddenly he will be there, and he will be attacking Warrior in an absolutely, uh, dare I say, savage way, and just just wrecking him. And that That's the moment of the match for me. I certainly have remembered that ever since the first time I saw it. Yeah, and the announcers later will say he was over there by us, and we didn't see him there. Yeah. Was he even really over there? Or did he yeah. just burst out of, like, you know, <laughs> a dimension yeah. that you're not familiar with? It's possible. It's beautiful. And it's and they're doing it's so weird because the only thing that they're doing right is the Savage Warrior thing, but they don't want to execute it. So <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they made their choices somewhere and they're like, nothing that happens is going to change it. You know, so. Yeah. Like, storyline-wise, Savage was after a title shot, but he never got close to it, and Warrior wouldn't give it because deep down they really were all they were really booking towards a WrestleMania retirement match. So it's almost like what they had decided was driving things, not what they put on TV for us to see. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can definitely feel booked into a corner here, at least in their minds, because clearly. They are only considering these four guys like to be in possible contention for a top spot right now. And I guess like who else even is there? Like we've talked about Ted DiBiase, but they're really not treating him that way at this time. Uh, Dusty Rhodes will be gone and they never wanted to treat him that way anyway. They don't really have a next yeah. guy up. So they have really kind of limited their options and they did it to themselves because of the way they booked over the past year. So it's not, you know, they're kind of stuck in the situation and they've already burned through a lot of these matches that they could have done. So they kind of only have these choices for WrestleMania in their own minds. Yeah. A big problem is the question came up 
when Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan, were they trying to make him the next Hulk Hogan or make him a secondary star? Well, here's the problem with that. Ultimate Warrior will never be the next Hulk Hogan, but he also won't be consistent enough or good enough to be a secondary star because he's going to hold people up for money. He's going to be inside and outside the business. So they're going to get neither from it. Yeah. But they spent Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania six on it. Yeah. So there's there's your problem. <laughs> yeah, they gave up something there. They gave up something with Savage when they spent a whole year or more, like barely booking him to be anything, just to kind of like tread water. Um, you know, they gave up something when Ted DiBiase fell off the face of the earth, kind of not like he was around, but like he's not a main eventer anymore. No one would mistake him for that. When he wrestled Warrior, nobody thought he was going to beat him for the title on that event that we skipped. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, there it, it really drives home. When we did our end of the 80s show, we asked, like, who's the next guy up? Who's the fa- who's, who's like the leader of the 90s? Like we had in WCW, and basically we came up with nobody. Like yeah. it, it was nobody. It's not Warrior because like we we know he's not going to work out. Um, there's no intention right now to make like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. They're still in tag teams. Yeah. Um, you know, Undertaker is not like he's not in that that role yet, and he will get there shockingly fast. But like yeah. he's not in that conversation yet. So there's just nobody. They're kind of like stuck here. <laughs> Yeah, to, ah, there's a lot to be said because here's something. I don't think they ever should have made the Ultimate Warrior the world champion over Hogan like they did. Yeah. But I also think at the same time they could have made this title reign better than it was. Yes. But they also could have only made it so good because it's him. <laughs> like the thing keeps coming in on itself when you try to talk about it. But – the thing, and we can, we can go back if you want to talk more about Savage and stuff, but I just want to play out what happens real quick because Ultimate Warrior kind of has Sergeant Slaughter beat, but he's going to end up getting knocked on the rope because Sherry's going to interfere, and then Savage is going to clock him. And when we'll come back to that in a moment. But Warrior is going to lose the matchup. And what the fans... After they are stunned into silence, the ones that can still speak are going to chant Hogan. So we used Hulk Hogan's capital at WrestleMania 6 to build a baby face that we're going to take the belt off in less than a year. And whether it's his fault or the company's fault, on the night he loses, in the match he loses, the fans are going to start chanting Hogan. So no matter who you blame or what you blame, all you can say is this thing was not worth what we spent on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, you are right about that. Uh, and that I'm glad you brought that up because I actually I think I um, glossed over because I, I was using that skip forward button a little yeah. bit too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those Hogan chants I do recall them now that you mentioned it and. It just shows you, I think, even this fan, even this group, this crowd, who liked the Warrior, the Warrior was over here, even they were never fooled that Warrior was actually the biggest star in the company. Like, it just never happened, you know. It was always Hogan, and I think everybody always knew it. Yeah, it's one of two, like, popularity-wise, what they're used to, but also booking-wise, if he, he can't be the man who can beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, and he can't stop Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. 
Like, when he runs away, I guess he's supposed to be chasing Savage. I thought he was running out of the building in shame and retiring. <laughs> you can't be the babyface leader and lose the belt to the man who, in the middle of this war, is trying to destroy the country from within. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, if Hulk Hogan did that, there, there's a good chance they might be chanting warrior. Because what do you do when the thing that in that era is not supposed to happen happens? Mm. Like your goodness, your good guyness, your heroic nature makes you good enough not to lose the belt to Sergeant Slaughter. And when you do, everything to me gets called into question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think the question, if anything, it is answered here. There's like, this is the end of Warrior. Uh, he will never be champion again. Um, I think he will challenge once for the title when he comes back in 92. He won't win it there. And, uh, you know, he, he will just never really be in that conversation to lead the company again, I think. And that, I mean, we know why. Um, and like you said, yeah, he ran out of the ring, you know, instead of fight for America or whatever. Uh, he ran out, so I, I don't think he's capable of feeling shame. But uh, if he just went back to his own dimension, you know, we wouldn't be surprised about that either. Yeah, and you can. If you're an Ultimate Warrior fan, like I realize, you might be mad if you listen to the show. Like I would be, <laughs> because as a Lex Luger fan, I realize that not every everybody's talent is not necessarily based on their booking or how over. So Warrior was over. Warrior was a champion, but. I can't see anything based on the level of what they gave him. Like plug any baby face into WrestleMania six, that kind of opportunity. It feels like a bust and how much is WWF and how much is the warrior. But I think it's fair to say that comparatively to what it could have been, it was a bust. And what Miz fan just said, warriors never going to touch this again. And he's going to have two runs to do so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so long, Ultimate Warriors champion. We got we we got nothing out of you. We learned nothing about you. <laughs> there was nothing to learn. It turned out. So I guess we learned that. But uh, yeah, Ultimate Warrior. We'll see him again, but never never as champion. And uh, that is just fine with me. I don't know if this question makes sense or not because it's just coming to me as we talk. But Sting to me is not a Hogan or Warrior as far as like he's not big as them. Like he's just something more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Is there something to be said about? <sighs> I'm trying to think if Sting beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six, yeah, and then had a year long title reign or had almost a year and lost it to Slaughter. Like would I feel the same way, or is there something? Like, Warrior's so not versatile that all he can do is run you over. So, like, there's something about him losing and running away. Whereas Sting, Sting could have had the same title reign and it would have been better because Sting and Rick Rude did a lot better together to me. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if I can say, but I don't know how I would feel. Like, I can imagine Sting losing but laying on the mat longer from Brandy Savage's uh, shot, that, that's a brutal shot to the head. Yeah. You know, and I can imagine having some sympathy, and maybe Sting doesn't rise to that occasion for a while, but, like, 
he gets a he gets a deeper storyline or something like you come out knowing okay they're using him differently but he's gonna, he's now going to tap into this other thing that he has and I just don't know if the Ultimate Warrior has a other thing to tap into. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know. Comparing Sting and Warrior is always interesting, but I don't know how far you can really get answers about it. Um, yeah. Look on the other side, Sting uh, will lose his title as well around this time, and he will, I believe, lose it to Ric Flair in just like a house show match. Um, so is that better or worse than, you know, this, than what mm. we got, you know, in both cases, the title will quickly segue back to the guy who had it before and we'll all kind of agree never to speak about this again. Um, but one will do it in like a big, uh, scenario, which maybe he doesn't sell very well. And one will do it like very quietly in a way that like you, you kind of almost forget it happened. So mm. what's better, what's worse? I have no idea, but, uh, I know this one guy is still involved in the wrestling business and the other guy basically abandoned it entirely and nobody yeah. was really sad to see him go. Yeah. And that's part of me that even as stupid as I thought all this was, mm. I don't know. This is complicated. I don't feel like I ever would have booked this to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a little bit of me that says, Hey, we got the belt off the Warriors, so there's there's a win somewhere in there. <laughs> I mean, you are right about that, I think. Because you, like you said, Slaughter's bumping well, and Slaughter knows what he's doing. Like, you know, I don't like the storyline, but there's just something about the world title that it ought to be on people that at least maybe I say 25% understand the business, you know. Maybe you can make up the 75% and other things. But if you like 0% understand the business, then I just don't know that you should be the world champion of the business. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking with the answer I gave, and I'm feeling it more and more strongly as we talk about it. In spite of all the flaws of this stupid storyline, I'm still glad that the title is off Warrior at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you called it well, and we'll get to it. But uh, we got... We got through the deed, and there was no riot. And Hulk Hogan looks really popular at the end of the night. So, again, sure. I would have left this show thinking, oh, my God, somehow we have pulled this off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really might think so based on just uh, – uh, I don't know. Like, like maybe yes, maybe no, actually, because just look at the reaction that the crowd is going to have over the course of the next match. Yeah. And think, well, if this is how they're reacting, should we really have done that? So maybe yes, maybe no. Even that I'm questioning now as I think about it. Yeah, if you want another image of how absurd it is, the flip side of this, they have event staff lined up down the entirety of the ramp so the fans cannot touch Slaughter when he leaves. And all you guys are mild to dead reaction. You don't need them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean – I think certainly in the minds of somebody, they were thinking, oh, yeah, like there will be riots incited and like the FBI yeah. and the CIA will have to come. Like, I certainly think that people believe that. I just don't believe any of it happened. You know, yeah. there's, there's no evidence of it happening that I know of. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone can turn me on to that. But, yeah, like on the night, the reaction is just like confusion, disappointment, um, 
maniac, like you said, disillusionment, like, oh, I guess wrestling's not real after all, because how can yeah. that happen, you know? <laughs> and not in, like, a despairing way, in, like, a, oh, huh, okay, sure, I guess, kind of way. Not what yeah. you're looking for. I don't know what you think, because in this era, like I said, I don't think good can lose to evil on this way. Like, they broke that, they broke that kind of, in a way. You're also... Even though it's a storyline, it's happening in real time. So even if Hogan's going to win the belt at WrestleMania, on the night that George Bush declares war, you put Sergeant Slaughter over the the world, the babyface world champion in the USA jacket. <laughs> you know, so there are a lot of things that I think for the fans in the building that were not supposed to be able to happen that happened. And again, Sergeant Slaughter has never been hated, though. And I'm sure, he'll, like I said, he'll have moments, but it's almost more of a. I think they see him as a guy who is going to like. It's almost if he was feuding with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, then this would have a lineage <laughs> from the series we've been watching. Like he would be like, "Oh, I'm irritating," and Hacksaw's like, "You irritate me," and then they would be feuding, you know. <laughs> but that's that's not happened on this level. Like Hulk Hogan never got knocked off by one of these guys. Right. And the fans are not angry. Like, watch when they're, they're stunned. But watch all that security when Sergeant Slaughter's leaving. Like, it is lined up from body to body, and there's nobody trying to give him any trouble. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. It's funny you should mention uh, Jim Duggan, because on the next show, the main event, uh, it will be Slaughter and Duggan for that WWF title. Go. And I'm going to make a strong case that we skip that show because it looks horrible. And just do a bonus episode, so, um, yeah. I got no problem with that. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, mentioning Duggan, because uh, it'll it'll happen uh, more than once, actually, with the slaughter angle, so. That's what it should be, though. There shouldn't be a world yeah. title. Sergeant Slaughter should be singing, and they should be in a feud. I really wonder, like... I don't know if fans even thought about it in the way we do now, because, like, now we're always trying to predict, like, the booking and, like, know what comes next. I think maybe people didn't do that so much then. But if they thought about it, I think people are thinking, like, Warrior Savage for WrestleMania for the title. Hogan could maybe fight Slaughter still in a non-title match, but maybe not even. Like, maybe he would have to fight Earthquake and finally, like, pin him. Mm -hmm. And Slaughter will be, like, nowhere. He'll be fighting Duggan or something, just like you said, at WrestleMania. So I really think a lot of people would have thought that at this time. Yeah. I don't think anybody in that building thought that Sergeant Slaughter was going over. Sure doesn't sound like it, yeah, after that victory. And so you're right. And also, I don't think you think about it as much. It's not like Hogan winning the Rumble even gives him the title shot, you know? Right, right. I mean, uh, I guess you can maybe say it does if you want to, but uh, not really. So. And and then this week, in if this was WCW, uh, what people would say about it? We follow up this Slaughter winning the world title to no reaction to the ad that tells us that they're gonna fill a hundred thousand seats <laughs> at WrestleMania. <laughs> My at some goodness. point, like with all these other problems, at some point you also have to just say Vince McMahon was basically standing on a building in a thunderstorm asking God to smite him because, yeah. like, this is just pure hubris at some point. Yeah, it's a weird thing that this is going to be led with the steroids uh, scandal and everything. Yeah. You know, like Vince McMahon had this this error where he – destroyed everybody and everything and he took everything and he built something 
And when you're building and you're growing, all that stuff looks so little and all the good stuff looks so big. But then when all the good stuff shrinks down to little and your 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 let's say ugliness is still rising up to big, then the thing that was hidden becomes exposed and the thing that was exposed becomes hidden. And we now have we're moving into an era where Hulk Hogan's going to be a little bit naked. Vince McMahon's going to be a little bit naked. WWS going to be a little bit naked. Like there's just, they're going to be exposed and they're going to still be behaving as if everything's the same. Hulk Hogan's never going to find a way to be like a tag wrestler or like, you know, the, the, what he was in 90 for warrior. He's not going to be for other guys. Mm. So, I don't know. I think that we are entering in to that payback is coming and like it's going to be ugly for a little while for WWF. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely so. But there's also going to be some really beautiful stuff in the WWF coming up soon. So yes. uh, it's going to be a contrast of, uh, of some things going great and some things not going so well. Absolutely. Poor Coco Beware and the Mountie. <laughs> yeah, they will do their best. They will bring the crowd a, a, a bit to life at times, but really uh, the crowd will be very subdued. Um, Piper and Monsoon will will talk about Sergeant Slaughter mostly during this match. Uh, it's unfortunate. I, I'll say I don't want to speak too much on this match because we got a lot of stuff to get through still. Uh, I'll just say I enjoyed it. I love Coco Beware. I really like the Mountie gimmick. I think Jock does a good job with it. Um, you know, it, it, it was perhaps a little too slowly paced at times, but overall I enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of the Mountie, but, uh, yeah, the, the match was not the story here. It's not what anybody was thinking about. Yeah. Um, it's, I agree with that a hundred percent because, but it's also when they do some cool things, they get pops. So again, yeah, you know, I both agree. The fans are stunned. But it's also they also they know how to move on from it when they when they when they get a chance to. So again, it didn't hit in any way like it should have or like WWF thought. Right. At first, I thought Mountie was making his debut, which was weird, like because you know he's not; it's just a different character. Um, I don't know if he started working out or if his arms just look bigger in the attire that he's in, but he looked a little bit different to me. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the Mountie. See what he does. I like again that Bossman is a character that brings in characters, so that's also going to be fun. Feel bad for Coco. It seems like he's always getting the short end of the stick. Yeah. Um, and as much as I like the card, this is a, again we're bragging about the card. But what that also means is that we got a Royal Rumble that doesn't have Shawn Michaels, Coco Beware, Ted DiBiase, and many others in it. So. Indeed, yes. Uh, this Rumble not as good as the one last year. Certainly not as good as the one next year. Uh, still some fun stuff in it, but yeah, missing some names that maybe could have uh, pumped it up a bit. Although. Well, I'll talk about the Rumble when we get to it. I'll leave that alone for now. The Mountie's going to win, and I think he wins with, like, the Bossman's finisher, but it's to the head rather than to the body as far as where how he controls them. Yeah, very similar. I don't really understand this talking point. They used it a lot early on. They talk a lot about these Mountie, like, body control techniques. Oh, God, that was so bad. <laughs> that was very strange, yeah. I don't know why that was such a talking point. Uh, it doesn't really mean anything to anybody, but... Uh, Yes, he, he will have a particular way of beating people up, and uh, there is some reminiscence of the boss man, I think. My note was they need to drop that as fast as possible because he's doing stuff like, oh, this is how you, you you like hold a guy, but like you're wrestling a match. You're not like arresting someone. So 
They're overdoing it early, but I think that'll even out, hopefully. They are, indeed, and it will, I think. Um, I, I have mostly only positive memories of the Mountie, so we will get into him further as we go along. Okay, so he's going to obviously get the win. Sean Mooney is going to be with the Macho Man, who is fired up still at this point. Oh, man, Sean Mooney's fired up, too. He says that Savage has committed a heinous act, but Savage has no time for his bullshit. He says, Warrior shouldn't have said no, so let him cry. And he is raging around the room, and then somebody is banging on the door, and Savage and, Sh- and Sherry once again show that incredible speed, and they speed right out of that room right away. So, fun segment. These are so, these quick Savage segments have such incredible energy, just like we've talked about. I love it. Let me just real quick to say that Sean Mooney is one of the most underrated yes. and amazing personalities because everyone agrees that Gene Oakland is so good at his job that you can't even have conversations about a second person. And yet Gene Oakland is in his prime and Sean Mooney is the only person who's ever done this job where never, not one time have I thought, oh man, I wish Gene Oakland was doing this. Yeah, Sean Mooney is that second guy, and he doesn't get to be in that conversation, but uh, he is number two after Oakland, I think, when it comes to this role. Uh, he is great. I love digging down deeper, and uh, at times he gets to do commentary that we've covered uh, when primetime switches to uh, that studio with an audience. Um, he will about half the time host that with Bobby Heenan, and he will be very fun in that role as well. So Sean Mooney, just about anything that you could see him doing, he's going to do it really well. And uh, I just wish, honestly, that he had stuck around longer. I don't know yeah. what he went off to do in his career, but, man, he could have been there all through everything, in my opinion. I, I agree. I, I never knew how good he was, but you really got to know how to have a reaction but never be the story, and that's hard to do. That's really hard because most, most people in this role – like, they don't even have a reaction. Like, they could be a microphone stand for all, you know, the worth they are. So when you get somebody who can actually add to the segment without detracting, like, attention from it, like, that's perfect. And Mooney, he's very good at that. Only Oakland is better that yeah. I can think of off the top of my head. And Gene, like, again, Gene can't be in the conversation because Gene is Gene's a character on the level of the wrestlers. Like, I don't know what WWF did early, but Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Gene, Bobby, all of them – are the are characters they would they would be put on the same page on the internet as the wrestlers mm, yeah yeah that's uh, a good point as well i'm just looking up sean mooney because he's so great i guess yeah he, he's hosted like for baseball for news uh been on tv been been a reporter all that kind of stuff so i'm sure he was brilliant at that but I will always regret because he could have stuck around through the Attitude Era and beyond, and I think he would have added to every show that he was on. Yeah, and Gene's going to leave in 93. Yeah, 93, so. and Sean Mooney should have been around for that. Who's – um? oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, the Todd. Todd, Todd yes. yes. <laughs> He'll be around. He'll be uh, interesting in his own right, so we'll have to talk about him when yeah, we get there. Yeah, he's fun. We will be watching him sing uh, a song at the Slammys 96 when we get there. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I never uh, – when he gave it up, I think he, he put Michael Cole in his spot and that well, – we'll, 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 we'll talk about that as well when we get there. So. Meanwhile, Gene Erklund is with the new W <laughs> – the new <laughs> WWE. Good segue. Heavy. Good segue. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, here's my question because I didn't, I didn't hear anything he said, but my question is – Honestly, like, according to whatever his agenda is, 
like is he now closer to it? Has he achieved it? <laughs> you know, it's funny because you're so right, but like there have been other angles like this, and I haven't asked these questions, even though they're valid questions. I think it just goes to show once again, if you're good enough to get people to buy in, people won't care about these questions. Yeah. But if you can't get them to buy in because your story is too bad or your performance is too weird because you're pulling a weird face that looks like grandma, <laughs> then people are going to ask and they're going to be bothered that these questions don't have answers. Yeah, I, and you're right about that. There probably is a lot of those. But that's all that I could think about is, like, I don't know, like, has he won? Like, is, is <laughs> like, is America, like, or did George Bush call, like, the war on the same night because Slaughter won the belt? you know is america over like yeah what does this mean for us i don't know i have a feeling that when he cries and says i want my country back i'm going to believe him because i don't believe any of this oh from the way he says it i can't believe oh my god (laughs) i can never forget i want my country back it's like the most uh i can't even deal with that right now uh, at the end of this promo, Gene Erkeland says, I can't take any more, and you and me both, Gene. Can you imagine if WrestleMania three, for example, I don't know how the years line up, was Hogan versus Nikolai instead of, like, Hacksaw chasing them around the building? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, imagine, this... like, ugh. yeah, good point. That sounds terrible. Yes, and that's what, this is where we are, so don't be surprised. Like, WrestleMania seven is going to usher in the new low like we are officially i think where wwf is not is going to get off like a cliff that's not even as high as their height but not even come back so like there is a punishment that's one fun thing about watching this is it might not always be overnight but there 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 are consequences for really good booking and really good characters and there are consequences for the opposite and like they all seem to come in time Indeed, we will indeed enter a period at least of weak WrestleMania main events that we have not uh, experienced before. So, yeah, what a great point about 87. Like, imagine even, imagine if they still had the feud with Andre, but instead, like, he was like a Russian sympathizer. Like, it's, it's terrible. Like, it's not even about the person in the role. It's just like a stupid storyline. And that's the thing, too, is like, they can't even find, like, an Iraqi person, like, they have two Iraqis, they both are old, and they're not good, so you can't really use them, and so you have to bring in, like, a totally unrelated guy, and make him, like, a stand-in for them, and it's mm. just, like, convoluted, and weak, and stupid, it's just not good, and, um, Yeah, I wouldn't have believed Andre any more than Slaughter if exactly. he had been doing that. Yeah. He would the have pulled such is, a dumb face, but still. Hulk Hogan tried that nonsense with his rhetoric, like, he you know, the whole thing he says, I think, at least one time, is that Oh, he was my mentor. He taught me, you know, how to care about children. But then it turns out like he never did the entire time. And we saw that, that like that was not the storyline. That was a cheap trick tried on one side of the two narratives going on, whereas the storyline was a lot more complicated, a lot more layered. So a cheap trick that Hogan tried one time in that feud is the entirety of this feud. Oh, man. And even, like, on Hogan's side, like, it would have been nice if he tried this trick. Like, imagine if Hogan was like, 
Sergeant Slaughter, you used to love in America, and I used to look up to you, and, like, even that, like, it would have been a little thin, but it would have been better, like, there's not even a conversation now, it's like Slaughter never existed before he was, like, an Iraqi sympathizer, and just, like, there's just no nuance, there's no conversation, there's nothing, it's just like, you don't like America, so now I'll beat you up, and yes, I'm just Jim Duggan now, without the hose, so, it's stupid. Yeah, nobody, nobody even asked a question, like, Oh, I, I knew Sergeant Slaughter. Like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not even in the storyline. It doesn't exist. So Then they'll go out to previously taped uh, uh, street conversations where people talk to the soldiers. And I think the funny thing is if these were live, the response might be like, yeah, my bro- I want to shout out my brother. And this is also why I don't watch WWF, because they are currently siding with, um, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Right. This is a stupid night. It is. It's a really stupid night in that respect. But uh, yeah, in we, that respect, <laughs> we're we're about to go to one of my favorite things ever, though. Um, not this specifically, but just this thing. Like I think it should exist every year. We go yes. to the rapid fire promos of almost everybody in the Rumble, and I love these. And these are so good; they should always be around. I think. One million percent so, and we kick off with Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, yeah, we start off with a real good one. Uh, Jake Roberts, he's sure what he's got to do in the Rumble. He's cold, he's a surgeon, he's looking for Martell. I love that he has a different goal than winning. I'm sure I've talked about it before. I love when wrestlers, they're like, nowadays, like, oh, you have to be trying to be world champion or fuck you, get out of here. But you know what? Sometimes people have different goals in wrestling. And sometimes that goal is just to, like, murder the person who tried to blind you. And you know what? That's very compelling. I'm very into that. That's going to be one of the highlights of the Rumble coming up here. Absolutely. Listen to words number two and three. He says, 29 men think they're ready one snake knows. <laughs> Jake is on a hot run here. Yes. Like he is building up and up and up and up like beyond a period where we were kind of a little unsure about him and he is just getting better and better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He's in his pocket. Like we're going to see Jake and Undertaker together tonight for the record. And if you, so if you want to know where Jake's going, he's not going to slow down anytime soon. Mm, indeed. Earthquake. Um, <laughs> He says, bring on the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing that I noticed. So that, Me too. You know, Same thing. <laughs> Greg Valentine's got his hair back. Oh, thank God for that. I think he's a baby face now. He's going to have a hell of a long run in the Rumble. He's going to do very well in there. So yeah. thank God for that hair. I couldn't stand it when he was just a honky-tonk man clone. That was not right. He's going to bring the hammer. He's also going to be one of my favorite performances in the Rumble. Uh-huh. Uh, Tornadoes going to talk about dark clouds and tornadoes touching down. Um, <laughs> uh, Road Warrior Hawk says nobody wants to take a ride on them. <laughs> so if you wanted to, you don't want to anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, that was fun. Yes. Um, so we normally don't give a lot of praise to Brother Love on the show. Like he didn't hit it off for us. And so this is not even that. I want to make sure that this is not that. But when I just saw them together. What Brother Love looks like with his colors, Undertaker with his colors, what Brother Love sounds like and projects, and what Undertaker, this is a really bad pairing to the point that I don't think The Undertaker could have been The Undertaker at the level that he's going to be The Undertaker if they didn't change this. <laughs> oh, I really thought you were building up to like say something nice about Brother Love for nah. once, but no, like you and I are on the same page. Thank God this is short-lived. 
I think it would have irreparably damaged The Undertaker if it yeah. went on too long. Hacksaw, I got the word blah. I don't think I said anything after that. <laughs> uh, Rick Martel is the most fit I think I have ever mm. seen him. He is looking incredible physically. He is making fun of Jake. They are having a brilliant feud, and when we do, we will do a bonus episode before WrestleMania. We are going to cover this in depth because it is really a brilliant, brilliant, layered, multifaceted feud that I really adore. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. Yeah, the model says he has a motto. It's not what you do, but how you look doing it. (laughs) That's so good, man. Rick Martel, again, punching above his weight in every respect. Yes. Davy Boy now looks more like the guy that's going to win the IC title than the guy that was in the tag division. Indeed. He's got, he's got the dreadlocks, I think, right? Yeah. Yep, indeed. And, and his body's getting more and more square, I think, if he, <laughs> if he can do that. One of the so most square guys of all time. Yes, great point. And perfect in Bobby Heenan. Uh, he says that being perfect is what's going to make the difference in the Rumble. Yep, yep, they're a great pairing. Of course, Mr. Perfect has his uh, Intercontinental title back. Won it back from uh, Texas Tornado. We may cover that. We may not because, honestly, like, you knew it was going to happen. So uh, we'll see how much room we have on that bonus episode. But he is indeed champion again, as it should be. And then we end the rapid-fire promos with Tugboat, who says, if it comes down to Tugboat and Hulk Hogan, so be it. No, I believe what he says. If it comes down to me and you, Hogan, like i don't know how to take once again when he comes out either people will be making his sound or they will be booing him roundly and i cannot be convinced that it wasn't at least some of the latter like this is bad stuff guys this is just bad this too as far as conversations on the legacy series is on the same level of warrior being world champion because whether they're booing him or not and I, I honest to God, don't know because it sounds like booze back, you know, like how much is him and how much is creating a sound that even if they're making it, it sounds like they're booing the baby face. <laughs> Man, I got to say, I, I'm not a, a big fan of uh, Fred Ottman or anything. I think he was kind of a weak performer at times, but he's not that bad. And they stuck him with just about the worst gimmick, like. He's going to have to be the shock master, and I guess that's worse than this, but not by a whole lot. Like, this is almost Red Rooster levels of impossible to get over with a stupid gimmick like this. I would have to watch the shock master to, for, to decide if it's worse or not. Because, <laughs> like, I know he's going to fall through the wall, and that, but I don't remember what he did. But, like, if it's as bad as it, yes, but I, I've got to rewatch it to see how it's worse. I mean, the Stormtrooper glittery helmet and yeah. the, the Ole Anderson doing the voice. I don't know. I still think it's worse. It's certainly more famously bad, but it's not that much worse. Like, it's close, and that's that's really unfortunate. I'll say the white see-through pants and the stripes and the little, oh. little uh, paper hat and the sound that sounds like you're being booed while you put yourself in the level of Hulk Hogan and nobody responds to it is not good either. It's very bad. Like poor guy. He got a lot of uh, rough hands dealt to him because he's also going to have to be like a weird electrician when the shock master fails. And of the three, like if that's like your third from the bottom gimmick is like stupid, clumsy electrician, then you, you're having a bad career. Unfortunately, they yeah. really did him wrong. And even Typhoon, which is what I always knew him as, I didn't realize 
that not only was earthquake earthquake before that, which I knew that part, but he was called the natural disaster. So like typhoon is 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 almost like it's just bar. It's, it's an allowance while he teams up with earthquake. Yeah, yeah, and still, that's probably the best gimmick he's ever going to have yeah. that we're going to cover, so, and then we're going to make him, like, a crappy fake Arab, too, so, like, yep. there were never any good ideas for this poor guy, <laughs> not said, one time, has... yeah, go ahead. Just, just not one time did they have a good idea for him. Yeah, Chaz Taylor, right, he was Chaz Taylor's father in GWF, I think. Oh my god, was he? I don't even know about that, you're not even speaking a language I understand right now, okay. so... <laughs> Yeah, Tugboat Taylor reveals Chaz is his son. Okay, it's just something I saw as a kid that was like, oh my gosh, he's this. So he's also the father of Chaz Taylor in the Global uh, Wrestling Federation. Is he he one of the headbangers later, or am I thinking of someone else? Tugboat? No, (laughs) Chaz Taylor. No, I don't know. I don't know. You're beyond me for once. Now you're in the the zone that I don't know about. Oh, gosh, I I just love that because I... I, I didn't see GWF regularly because we didn't know when it came on, so we just bumped into it and we watched any wrestling when we saw it. And then so you turn on the TV and there's like Typhoon, but he's like doing this I am your father, you know, moment. So it's like, oh my gosh, Tugboat's son. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, Tugboat's an interesting character is what we're trying to say in his not in his non-interesting way. Is he really his son? I don't know if he really is or not, but in GWF he was. Wait, no, Tugboat Taylor is a different guy, I think. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, my God, there was another person called Tugboat. All right, I can't yeah, go right. down this hole right now. We got a rumble to talk about, so. Okay, so <laughs> if you, we ever you keep us GWF going. GWF okay. the Legacy Series, we will parse this all out, I promise. Oh, he is know? a different guy. <laughs> right? I'm like, <laughs> I can't right now. We got to talk about a really good Dusty. Oh, he's dead, guy, too. Dead so, at 70. Yeah. Who isn't these days, you know? And I like—I was gonna say I liked him best in GWF, if that means. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even get that for him, man. That, that He's got a hat though. <laughs> He's got a hat that says Tugboat on it. I don't know how there could have been two ideas like this. <laughs> That's incredible. So. Ah, oh, this is mind blowing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so next up we have uh, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes taking on Ted DiBiase and Virgil. And this match really deserves some attention, so we're going to try hard to get to it here. Um, before the match, Sean Mooney is talking to DiBiase and Virgil. Virgil is giving the stink eye to Ted DiBiase. And uh, when we do the bonus episode, we're going to go over some of the reasons why that is happening now, as opposed to before. Although it was foreshadowed, as the great R-Prof did mention in LOP forums. Uh, DBS, he says Virgil will do anything he says, because the almighty dollar, he says money is thicker than blood. Once again, DBS, uh, really being a standout here, like nobody ever, I think, believed in his gimmick as much as Ted DBS, he did when he had a chance to talk on it. Yeah, uh, DB. There was a moment, ironically, where DiBiase tonight reminded me of Steve Austin because that's just the like wow. the level of uh, just. Like, he's got he's got a dark conviction, and right now, like he's 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 in the opposite of what he was before this, um, where he's winning, like he's being over the top, but he's winning. Yeah. But at the same time. Like our prof said, like Virgil's going to give him that look again. And DiBiase, I don't know if he noticed it the first time years ago, and I don't think he noticed it this time, but eventually 
like he's going to have to find a way to notice it. <laughs> I just the the consistency of Ted DiBiase, like as a character, he is a true believer in a way that I think a lot of wrestlers are not in this era. Like I'm very cynical about Hogan, about Duggan, but a lot of these guys who profess to believe in things, even some of the heels, I don't always believe it. Like I don't believe Slaughter right now, but man, I think Ted DiBiase like would die for his conviction that money is more important yeah. than like everything. So he is he is fully bought in to his belief system. He is a true fanatic. Yeah, and it's funny, like we were just saying, like the worse things get in WWF, the more Vince stands up. And he, this is a Vince McMahon gimmick. So I think <laughs> that's why we see it so consistent and so strong though, because like he knows what the character is and man, he plays it well. I he, there's no reason when you're going into a tag match and Virgil's your tag partner to start off with, why does Virgil swipe, wipe the sweat off my brow? You know, like, <laughs> it's not rhetorically sound to do that, but he has never been rhetorically sound, and he's okay with that. And, you know, I'm no way justifying his behavior. His behavior has been reprehensible. But we see that he can get in the ring and get things done because Teddy Biasi in some ways tonight is going to single-handedly eliminate the Rhodes family from WWF. <laughs> I think Ted DiBiase would climb on the altar and light the fire if it meant that he could prove once and for all that his belief was the one true belief of yeah. the world. You know, he is just, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll say those things about Virgil because he cannot think otherwise in his belief system that money is number one, so he could say worse things than this. And in his mind, Virgil will still follow along as long as he's getting that money yeah it's, it's an amazing thing we'll find out a little bit later you know there's always deeper reasons yeah. so virgil virgil's just doing his bodyguard gimmick and his job but there's you know there's reasons behind that so again he'll give him a look but he's gonna walk out to the ring with him and he's gonna be his tag team partner as we see this bond of actual family dustin and dusty against this is bond of employment, and as DiBiase says, money is thicker uh, than uh, blood and wa water and all that good stuff. Man, if they they do a lot of merchandise in this era, but not I don't know if they do so many T-shirts, but man, if they did T-shirts like they do nowadays, you put money is thicker than blood on one, and I yeah. think you sell like a lot of T-shirts that way. <laughs> like that's better than almost any shirt they've come out with in the last uh, you know five years or something. But that's a hell of a line. So. I don't think we would want Hills to have selling T-shirts, though. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Putting that aside, um, I was glad to see that this match completely fired up the crowd again. Like, they kind of just forgot about um, Sergeant Slaughter, I think, and they, they really started buying into everything again in this match. That's why I wanted to push back a little, because that is the narrative that it was so shocking that it killed the crowd. They were stunned after, but they, like when Coco had high spots, they cheered that. And then by this matchup, when they got into it, it was like that never happened. Yeah, they were back to normal completely. So you can't say it had no effect, but uh, yeah, they, they bounced back entirely here. So hot crowd again. Um, Roddy Piper, this is the match where I think I really do want to praise him because uh, he will get so invested in this Virgil thing. And I think it really shows... Like, when Piper is invested in something, and like you said, it's the difference between, like, a short promo about something you care about and then trying to, like, stretch that energy over three hours. Like, one works better than the other. So he will really have a lot to say about Virgil. That will grow stronger. He will get personally involved in this feud, and it will lead to one of my favorite commentary performances ever at SummerSlam. But uh, already he is buying into it, and I think that also helps the match be more enjoyable. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think neither announcer had a, like I, there weren't a lot of quotes throughout the night, but this was the like Gorilla starts laying the foundation with like, well, just because you pay someone doesn't mean you can mistreat them as if that's a, like a breakthrough, but like he's starting to lay that foundation. But Piper's gonna go farther because Piper again kind of lived on the streets as a teenager, like you know he's had a rough life at times, and so he's gonna take that and he's gonna keep moving steps further. Like man, I know you gotta do what you gotta do, but eventually before the match is over, he's gonna be at like, I'd rather be suffering and I would suffer before I would do that, you know, and you can't just do this. And like we're building up to this thing just in the announce booth that, you know, that if Virgil walks out with the million dollar man or if he knocks out the million dollar man, like he's going to seal his fate. It feels like tonight one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if Piper and DiBiase will ever have. Like a proper feud. I think they will feud a bit coming out of this, um, but I think Piper will also have some injuries to kind of sideline that and put the focus back on Virgil. So I, I feel like this all means a lot more to Roddy Piper than some of this other stuff. Like he'll mm-hmm. make noise about the Rockers or about the big boss match, but there, like you said, I feel like there is some personal element to this. He gets so invested in this storyline and it is really a natural fit for him. So I don't know. I just really, it helps him. It helps improve the whole thing. And, um, I'm, I'm glad that we got that, uh, exposure, even though, you know, Piper's other commentary may not be up to snuff. Yeah. I think that there's credibility to it because, you know, I think there's a lot of us who probably a lot of times would put up with more than we should, because you got to, you know, you got to have a roof over your head. You got to pay your bills. You got to do this. You got to do that. I honestly don't think Piper would care. I think if it, if it came down to like I feel disrespected, and then it turns out there's no job, like you cost yourself your career. I don't know that he would sit around thinking, "Man, I shouldn't have lost my temper." So to me, there's an ethos in his statements that I could not make those statements as clearly as he does, and it's the right time and the right voice, I think, to hype the right thing that's about to happen. I think. It's probably well known that Piper had a difficult life at times. I think it's well known that part of that is what he brought on himself. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think from top to bottom, you could say this is a guy who definitely um, – I'm trying to articulate it the right way. Like, yeah, he was extremely true to himself, to his personality. He did not, like, bend himself to uh, other people. He did not silence himself for other people. Um and you know what? That'll cause you problems in life, but that will also perhaps uh, make you a legend. So there, there is something on both sides of that personality. Yeah. And the fans are into it. Like, because this has been such a slow burn, like, people are past that this needs to happen. Yeah. But oh, it's also yeah. cool in a past because it's like it's like when something goes by and you're thinking that it's never going to happen because it's been so long. Mm. And then all of a sudden it happens and you have you have to almost go backward to what you used to feel like, oh, yeah, I really wanted him to do that. But then I thought he was never going to do that. And now he's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, Ted and Virgil, uh, they came in in 87. So it's about three and a half years, I think, that they've been doing this work. And, man, when you put those years in, when you really put in that work in that time, uh, it makes it so much better when you want to pay off something. That's why. So, you know, you hate it when they put somebody with a guy and the only reason is just to make them like split up and have a problem like a month later. So this like the years behind it, the energy behind it, there there's there's something really deep that makes the feud work 
in a way that on paper you might not think it should work, but God, it really does when it blows up. Yeah, and it's just book well. There's something frustratingly successful about the fact Virgil's not doing well in there, and Teddy Biasi just dresses him down, and then Piper's like, you don't like it, get in there and do better, and then DiBiase tags himself in, and Gerlonson is, is like, well, he's going to do that, and it's like, well, let him do it, and then he gets in there, and he does it better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, there's some great uh, story stuff between them here. They're really building it up perfectly. Uh, on the other side, yeah, we have Dusty in, uh, I guess, yeah, his last match as a full-time wrestler ever. He will never really return as a regular guy after this, only wrestling sporadically. So you've got him, and then you've got Dustin at the very start of his career. And, man, when they called him the natural, they were right because he's so good in this. He will bust his knee on the turnbuckle at one point, and he will sell it so perfectly. And uh, there will just be some great, great stuff in this match. I enjoyed this match tremendously. I really want to say that. Yeah, I love that Dusty kept running in because he is a veteran in his last match, but you can't be a good partner when your rookie son is your partner in the match and is getting beat up and cheated against. He was a father first in this match, uh, if not always in life. But, um, no, he he puts on a wonderful performance here. I'm glad next week that we're going to be doing – some more Dusty stuff, a special uh, retrospective on Dusty Rhodes and his great career. Um, great stuff there. Uh, with Dustin, I was thinking about this. How, how wild is this? In five years, Roddy Piper versus Gold Dust. Man. How can that be, right? <laughs> it feels like a different world. I didn't even pick up on that. that wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, unbelievable. That's Man, Dustin Rhodes. What a career. What a career. Still going. Still doing good stuff. So talk about longevity. Really amazing. Um, so, yes, uh, in the end, Virgil hits Ted DiBiase by mistake. He tries to apologize, but Ted DiBiase beats him in the ring. Dusty Rhodes comes in. He is on fire. He's beating up Ted, but Dustin is still out, so Dusty has no backup. Ted is able to get that sneaky roll up and get the victory, but the action is not done with that moment. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I think the feud between Virgil and DiBiase benefits by the fact that the roads are leaving, so you can have that kind of let them vanquish them, let, let Ted DiBiase like get the win. And again, I think he would have he could have beat up Virgil, who needs the job, and still walked away and still hit his bodyguard. And in, a, in an era where nobody hardly takes the microphone in the ring, Teddy Biasi has to find a way to make sure that he does not end victorious here. <laughs> He's one of the most self-sabotaging wrestlers that we have watched, but in a highly entertaining way. Um, yes, after the match, Ted does pick up that microphone. He says, nobody crosses him without paying the price. Now the roads they have paid. Uh, we get some Virgil chants already, yes. so people were so hyped to see this happen. Uh, Ted berates Virgil. He demands he get in the ring, put the title around this waist. And this is just a couple minutes after he laid hands on Virgil. Like, he yeah. beat him up. He he gave him a beating. And now get in here and put the title on me. Um, and this is where Roddy Piper is giving me chills because he he's almost jumping out of his chair. He says, are you just going to eat it for the rest of your life? And, God, I got a chill when he said that. Mm. Like, that stuck in my mind in a big way. And DiBiase gets hit with a drink, too, in an era where they don't do that very yeah, much. Yeah, very true. Very true. I say for the energy that Piper put in here, something about it reminded me 
of Steve Austin, and it made me sad that Piper and Austin will basically never mm. coexist in the same place, and how much of a shame that is. Yeah, we'll be getting Piper and Jerry Lawler instead. Ugh, sad but true. Uh, uh, this is... Go ahead. This is just this is really well done, uh, really well paced. The fans want Virgil to do this so bad. Yeah. And it, there are moments where you almost feel like he's not going to do it still. Oh, yeah. Hey, Virgil, it bothers me that people kind of like Virgil's a punchline now, and that is not right, I think, because he has his limitations. But, God, he does a great job in this feud. He is not just a passenger. He is actively contributing to what makes this feud so good. He plays this off really well here. Yeah, Virgil is iconic already. Like you can't have, you can't be an '87 to to '91 and be the stars that they were and not be iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like everyone ought to remember Virgil, and I think people of this era do remember him very, very well. Uh, eventually, yes, Virgil hits Ted with that million dollar belt to a huge pop. The crowd loves this. This is another great, great feud coming into 91. And a real sign, I don't know what the difference is, but a real sign that the booking is picking up tremendously from the, the from what we saw even at Survivor Series. So a lot of great stuff going on here. Yeah. And I think what I like best is the fact that it's almost Ted DiBiase's philosophy because if everybody has a price – that means everybody has a limit before they sell out and take the money. Mm. But if the philosophy is everybody has a limit, mm. it works the other way, too. And that's what Ted DiBiase never saw, because, like, oh, your family, think of your mother. Like, so I can do this and do this and do this. But the same way everybody has a price, they have a limit before they sell out. Everybody has a limit before they can't take it anymore, too. So Teddy Biasi only knows one side of the philosophy that he's talking about, and he found out when the million-dollar title came up against his head that it works both ways. <laughs> oh, God. Man, this is why we do this series. Just the way you frame that so beautifully, and this is already a feud I love, but just thinking about that, it just uh, it, it creates a positive energy in my life. So it's, it's, it's wonderful Man, wrestling is so beautiful at times, and this is one of those times right now. It is, man, because I honestly believe this is a shout-out to WWF booking, like you just said, because I think that he could have normalized, I also get to beat you down if I'm not happy, and they could have left together if he had left it alone, because whatever reason, Virgil needs that job. We don't know how well it pays. We don't know everything going on with his mother and his family, but there's a limit, and Ted DiBiase does not know that there's a line on the, He knows there's a line on one side of that idea. He does not know there's a line on the other because he never turns around and looks the other way. Mm. And so he was backing up as he was speaking, and he crossed over that line and didn't realize it because he doesn't know that line's there. And Virgil was still in. He had not crossed the line. DiBiase is the one who backed over it. Virgil was still <laughs> standing at the edge of it. And then Virgil crosses the line by swinging that million-dollar title, and then they're both over that line. And, oh, man, it, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and like Ms. Fan said, it's because he got three years that they actually put them together to be together, not just to break up, and then they broke up. Yeah, yeah, they, they put it up beautifully. Uh, just like I called Ted DiBiase a fanatic for his belief earlier, and I think just like um, a religious fanatic, you know, uh, of any, you know, uh, a, a fanatical Christian or something, um, cannot really understand or appreciate or even acknowledge like the spirituality uh, that can mm. come in other ways. So too, Ted DiBiase is so fanatical about money that he cannot see limits um, in any other way. 
you know, for him, money is the only limit. And uh, it really um, comes back to bite him again and again. And we see that here really well played out. Yeah, because I, I agree. It was not Virgil's finest outing. Like, he didn't wrestle a great match. He did get beat up a lot. But, like, how many times has Virgil taken the beating for Ted DiBiase? How many times has Virgil been there for Ted DiBiase? So, you know, Ted DiBiase doesn't learn well. But it's not like tomorrow he's going to have another guy doing Virgil's job for three years. Right, yeah. So there's got to be whether he realizes it or not. Like, he's paying some prices, too. And mm. he's not, all like we said, he's not always his own best friend. But, man, <laughs> this is where I felt Benjamin Button, though. Like, if this was a diff, different Dusty Rhodes that had been booked differently, and then this Ted DiBiase, like, there really is a case. It doesn't even have to end the show. There's a case that this could be your world title feud and WrestleMania 7 could be good. If it, even if it's double or triple main event, man, it, it could be it could be all right, maybe. I'll say this. I was kind of skeptical of this event at the top of the show, but I think if, if things had been treated differently for both of these guys a long time yeah. before this, like, this would have taken a lot more. Like, you couldn't have just done it like now, like right. just like at this event, you decide that it's going to happen. It couldn't have happened. But man, if you go back a year or more and you treat both of these guys differently. Yeah. You know what? I can buy it. I, I think that possibly could have been a very successful WrestleMania main event. Oh yeah, I agree. It definitely goes all the way back. I'm not saying do it off of the, we've already said off this show, they painted themselves in the corner by this time. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, if you go back and you fix some problems, yeah, there could really be something different here. DiBiase, though, is acting like he doesn't know it's not 87, 88. <laughs> well, hell, he's acting like it's 91 now. 91 is going to be a new creative standard, I honestly think, because we've got yeah. Jake, we've got Ted, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're going to have Warrior and his maybe only compelling storyline he'll ever have. Like, you know, there'll be great stuff in this year. So 91, you know, I don't. it's not going to be as successful as 87, but I think – in the down years, we're going to look back in the same way we're looking back at 87 and being mm -hmm. like, yeah, 91, I wish it was like that. So, some good stuff. Yeah, so, I think I was thinking during this that Ric Flair needs to hurry up and, and sell WCW out and take their belt on TV so he can win the Royal Rumble because, <laughs> like, if Teddy Biasi gets too hot, we might not, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. Okay, Gene Arkell, I've been trying to avoid this, but Gene Arkell is with Hulk Hogan. Um, here's an interesting comment. He says, more than ever, for for me and the Hulkamaniacs need to unite. And I didn't realize there was ever a time that they weren't united. <laughs> well, you know, it's that Hogan rhetoric. The Hulkamaniacs are always uh, in danger or maybe doubting. And uh, every time <laughs> he talks about them, they're always questioning him. You know, they always come up and say, oh, Hogan, can you really do this thing? And so, you know, maybe they're not actually yeah. that tight. Like, they always have to shape up and get on Hogan's level. Even that's smart, though, because that creates attention. But uh, <laughs> what does not create attention is Hogan saying that he doesn't care about any of the other Royal Rumble competitors because this is for the troops. Yeah, like, uh, just talking about telegraphing the yeah. win here. Um, <laughs> Okerlund also reports a rumor that Sergeant Slaughter defaced an American flag, and mm. Hogan, well, he doesn't care if that's legal. That will seal Sergeant Slaughter's <laughs> fate. So, yeah, I wonder who's going to feud with Sergeant Slaughter next. So Yeah. <laughs> why, and didn't, then he says, why didn't Oakland run off and tell Jim Duggan about that is what I want to know. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And where was Duggan? Yeah. 
He says, you know, they're going to take care of you know who. Well, you know who. You know who I'm talking about. Sudan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very strange. I, I have no idea what happened there. So <laughs> Again, I think the sword is drawn against this angle. <laughs> Hogan himself, I think you, you mentioned, said he was not keyed in in this era like he was previously, and I think the evidence is mounting that that is true. Shout out to Royal Rumble 91, though, because we're almost three hours into our show, so we're almost at the end of the show, and we haven't got to the Royal Rumble. <laughs> we got 20 minutes about to talk about this and wrap it all up. So, yeah, no, this is a great card. Uh, even the parts that are not great at least spur a lot of conversation, so that's worth something. Uh, I'll say always better a bad show than a boring show, and I can't say the show is boring ever, so there's something yeah. there. Um, Again, too, we've been talking about certain guys are start, starting to maneuver. They're starting to look alive. And I think Bret Hart coming in at number one is another sign that while he is still a tag team, and I think tag team champion, that Bret Hart is, is getting ready to go his own way. Oh, yeah, show of confidence. I think – I don't know if we talked about it, but I think there was conversation about splitting them up earlier. Like uh, uh, I think we already passed the point where the Rockers like win the title belts, but like it never gets aired and it kind of gets erased. And I think – I think they were already going to split them up at that point, but um, they will last a little longer to WrestleMania. But, yeah, the writing's on the wall. Like, Bret Hart will be number one. He will have a really long performance, a really strong one. And Jim Neidhart is also in here. And, like, you know, blink and you miss him. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's nothing to this match. So the writing is on the wall there. Yep. And I love Gorilla Monsoon, but he says the most inaccurate things uh, that I think anyone can ever say. So here he starts off by saying, if you come in one or two, you can't win a Royal Rumble. And then it's so tough when you draw one through five, which is just an interesting thing. Because does that mean, like, if you draw number six, you could easily win the Rumble. But if you draw number five, you know, you're in that group that just can't win the Royal Rumble. Well, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, it's funny because, of course, just wait till next year and you will yeah. see the, the proof that it is not true. But I honestly love that he says that because, A, it makes a lot of sense. For what we know about the Rumble so far, like, that definitely follows along. It makes sense in terms of, like, the physicality of the Rumble. And probably without even knowing any idea that they were going to do it, they are beautifully setting up next year. They are, like, laying that foundation to be like, this is not possible, it can't happen, and it's going to be even better when it does happen because of that. That's a great point. And that's one of the things I loved about the 90s is there were these things that were introduced and started to become established but they had never been developed or challenged. So, like, you see a lot of things happen that you honestly never thought could happen. Mm. You know, yeah. Ric Flair, I think, was it, is he going to be number three maybe? I don't number remember. Three. If he, yep, he will be three. He, like, you know, you don't believe that can happen. And so, especially for a heel, and he's going to win the world title off of it. So there's all these things that just, you're right, a year ago, Gorilla Monsoon probably thought he was making a safe statement and not even, like, thinking about it. Just like, well, obviously you can't win the Royal Rumble if you come in that early. <laughs> and it's so it lends like to the the weight of monsoon as he can say these things and you can believe it and then you can subvert that later and make something even better so it's um it's a really nice touch that they probably didn't even intentionally make at the time yeah maybe my favorite performer in this rumble comes in at number three greg valentine awesome. it might be as, he has his hair back it might be that he's a baby face and it looks like for a moment that they're pushing him again but it's weird. He comes in and goes out there Bravo instead of Bret Hart. And I'm like, what in the world is going on right now? <laughs> I mean, he had that face turn, I think. He splits with Jimmy Hart at some point. So we will see uh, not not particularly pushed, but maybe a little bit pushed. Greg Valentine, the baby face. He will get a great showing in here. There's only one guy 
who I think has the MVP crown, uh, a better claim than Valentine. We'll talk about him shortly here. Roddy Piper says Hammer is a 60-minute man. Yep, yep. And he, he damn near will be in this match. Um, it's so ridiculous because I've seen at times like, oh, Greg Valentine, like he would get gassed and he was not in good enough shape. And man, like, uh-huh. like close your eyes. Don't look at like what you think his body looks like. Look at what yeah. he can actually do in practicality. Like Greg Valentine is amazing. So don't, don't doubt it for a second. Yeah, that's a dumb statement. So don't even. <laughs> Paul Roma is in it for, I think Paul Roma might be having his like prime time right now. Oh, it's his best run. Yeah. Power and glory. It's a great run. Like I like pretty wonderful a lot. Uh, I like this and that that he does in his career, but yeah, I don't think he was ever better than in this match. Yeah, he has a great rumble. Kerry Von Erich is clearly, I think, on the downslide at number five. Like you can tell that WWF shine is a little bit off him. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if he was ever even meant to win the Intercontinental Title, so they, they mm. gave him a good push. Um, he will never slide all the way down, but yeah, he's probably peaked already in terms of his importance. Um, man, you know who I did not need to see in this rumble is Tony Atlas as, I don't even want to say the name of the gimmick, but it's Saba Simba. And if you don't understand why that's bad, especially in 1991 already, man, I don't know what to tell you. There's some bad stuff going on there. I honestly don't know if I knew this ever happened. Oh, man. Well, lucky you, because it shouldn't have. Like, it's bad stuff. And then I think number six was your pick for the best performance, if I'm not mistaken. If number six is Rick Martel, yes. then you got it. Like, whoa, my God, what a showing he will have. Um, when Jake comes in shortly after, he will go right after Martel, and they will interweave throughout most of this rumble. Um, the crowd will be just giving ovations when they fight each other. He will last very nearly to the end. And, man, I'll say – I was very invested in him winning, even though I knew he wasn't going to, but I was like rooting for him because he will hang in there. Even Piper will be like looking for him in later parts of the match, like hoping he's still in there. So like he, he made a huge impression, I think. He is a great heel in that Tito Santana will come in way later. And guess who Tito's still looking for? Yeah. Yeah. They, they too will, will interweave their issue, their never ending issue through this whole Royal Rumble. It's an amazing thing because the model, like Jake hates Rick Martel. Yep. Tito still hates him. Like the model leaves an impression on on the people he feuds with. <laughs> oh, he really does. Um, yeah, Martel is my, my pick. He's having a wonderful run at this time. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but I saw a whole lot of Shane McMahon in this match uh, yelling at people at ringside. He's one of the ringside referees. He's I wish I had guy. seen that. Man, I wasn't looking. <laughs> Ah, man, that sucks. Keep an eye out for him, because he is all around in this era for a little while. So, If you ever see it, uh, and when we're watching, let me know, because I would love that's just That's funny to me. <laughs> He's all over the Rumble, yeah. You see him yelling at all sorts of people. So, Yeah, uh, I will also say a Bushwhacker comes out, and within one second, Piper's like, it's Bushwhacker Butch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them he knows. He doesn't know Michael's from Janetti, but for some reason that he knows. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got Jake early, like he goes right right after model, like Ms. Van said. We got Hercules in there, and for one second we got Power and Glory together. They high five, and man, the announcers are like, "You can't be a team." Like, why? Why? It doesn't make sense to work together in a rumble. Oh, show respect to Power and Glory. They can do anything they want. My God. And then um, sadly, Roman gets eliminated. Sadly, yes. Uh, 
this is interesting. Undertaker comes in, his first showing in the Royal Rumble, and mm. what do you think the first thing he does Woo! is? Yep. He throws Bret, Bret Hart out quick. He chucks Bret Hart right out of the ring. So we got another sign of the future, I think, in, oh, my God, what, maybe – I feel like Britain Taker fight at some Royal Rumble in a title match. I don't remember what year, but like that's coming up, I think. Yeah. What would that be? Uh, Could that be '96? Maybe is it far that far? Yeah. Out, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes, '96 because uh, Brett's gonna be pissed off his entire reign as he's is people having him beat. <laughs> oh man, you're right though, and I love the fact that he goes like he goes right for Brett, and for whatever reason they were marked together from the beginning of Taker's career. They were, yeah. They're going to have a match in Madison Square Garden that I hope we get to cover because it's a very good early yeah. Undertaker match that is well worth checking out. So we will keep an eye out for that as well. After that, Jake Roberts goes after The Undertaker, which sets up a beautiful year in 91. It does indeed. A lot of great Jake stuff. Uh, Martel does get Jake out in time, and uh, the referees have to hold Jake back so he does not get back in the ring and cause more chaos. And that, you know, man, Jake sells these feuds. Better than just about anybody, I think. Yes. Gorilla Monsoon, who never watches future Royal Rumble, says, that's a dangerous place to be laying on the canvas. <laughs> I mean, you can get stepped on and trampled, I guess. But yes, that will be a, a tactic of some in the future to uh, to hug the floor and, uh, you know, not without some success. So uh, Yeah. I tried to watch 2021, and there were some fun moments. But, man, it, it felt like... It's just people sleeping on the canvas except the two people that they want to focus on for a minute. Then they go lay down. Uh, two other people get up. <laughs> and it's like, ah, I can't. Mm-mm. Including uh, King of Lying on the Canvas, Edge, who, of course, uh, read that yeah. strategy out to victory. So, you know. And then that's like Edge came in early. So that's like, a, oh, he was in for so long, but he was asleep for half hour. <laughs> you want to see, yeah, look at Martel, look at Valentine. If you want to see people who really hang in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit different. I'll tell you, something about, like, the, the Legion of Doom and The Undertaker will have some interactions here, and that makes me feel a special kind of way. I don't know what it is. Maybe just they're both, like, invincible guys, but, man, that really, that said something to me right there. I marked, like, three times, and I was like, at the end, I want an LOD Undertaker program. Yeah, something. I don't know, like, the, the timing wouldn't have worked out, but, like, Undertaker and Kane versus Legion of Doom, that would have been really something, I think. Yeah. Here's a fun thing. Models on the apron, and he just eliminates Jake Roberts, just takes care of him. <laughs> he does, yeah, for sure. So uh, Martel outsmarting Jake, getting the best of him here, but uh, he will get his comeuppance in a very unique way at WrestleMania. Yeah, shout out to the referees who hold the baby face back and do not allow him to pull Model over the top rope. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Where were they in next year with Hogan? That's what I want yeah, to know. Yeah, I bet so. Hogan wishes they had. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, Shane Douglas is in this Rumble, surprisingly. So a yeah. little, little shout-out for him here. The dynamic dude Shane Douglas is, is there. <laughs> um, Undertaker uh, is thrown out by the Road Warriors, but Martel is able to toss Road Warrior Hawk right out after him. That's quite an accomplishment, I think, for any heel, let alone somebody somebody like the model. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of interesting eliminations that I don't think sometimes would have been allowed, and I liked it. Piper always says the worst things to me. It's not like Undertaker. He's got to be able to get beat up and all that, but he still has this air where you don't really know, like, is he alive? You know, that's kind of the big thing in the early Undertaker. Is he even alive? And Piper's like, Undertaker's showing signs of fatigue. And it's just like, (laughs) okay, so he is alive, and he also gets tired pretty quick. So. 
Piper tried to ruin Undertaker's debut by saying he had to get more nine nine. So yeah. you know, yeah. Sometimes he does say the worst things. Um, this is uh, this is the event where Perfect uh, Heenan comes out with Perfect, and this is the the greatest of all time towel catch because Perfect yes. will you may have seen gifts of it. Perfect will throw that towel just wildly over his shoulder, high up in the air, and Heenan will catch it behind his back. And mm. it is the smoothest goddamn thing you ever saw. It is amazing. That is the image of their entire run together. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Man, I love the whole mid-card part of the rumble. I feel like when Earthquake comes in, we start to move into more of the predictable. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. But, yeah, no, there's some great stuff in here. Uh, Perfect goes in there. He does some beautiful bumping. Of course, he throws out Jim Duggan, so clearly he's the best. Even Roddy Piper, sometimes he says the right thing. Even Roddy Piper says, hey, this guy is one of the best Intercontinental Champions, and he's telling the truth right there. I love that comment, too, though, because Piper's going to be part of that family that links all these IC runs together. Yeah, I would have loved to see Piper and Perfect. Can you imagine Perfect bumping off Piper's punches? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was too many Ps, but uh, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have worked together because Piper would have known to slow down and just kind of acknowledge some of that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it would have worked well. Absolutely so. Uh, so we do get Hogan in, and he gets a very big reaction, you know, to yeah. to, to the fairness of uh, the point. He throws out Smash. He goes after Earthquake. They're, they're going to continue their feud, which will never end, even though it already ended because Earthquake cannot hurt Hogan. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll continue on. We will get to that because it made me angry again. Um, at one <laughs> point, I said Mr. Perfect but... is going after Hogan like he doesn't know the pecking order. <laughs> he doesn't know their feud is over a long time ago. Yeah, no, Perfect once again punching above his own weight class. I'll say overall, I actually love this Rumble almost all the way through. And to me, it only really falls apart at the end. Like the yeah. final four is very disappointing. Uh, but everything before that, honestly, is awesome. Like, if it had finished out as strong as it was through most of the run, it would probably be one of my favorite rumbles. Yeah, because really what you got is Bret Hart to Greg Valentine to Rock, to Model to Mr. Perfect. Like, there's somebody that is running to show who is a top, like, ability talent the entire time. Yeah, absolutely so. And speaking of some of those, uh, Valentine... Finally goes out after uh, like 45 minutes, something like yes. that. One MVP throws the other out as Martel finally takes care of him. Yeah. Model will be in 50 minutes, 50 plus, I think 53. Uh, I Valentine, love, 45. I love how much on commentary they talk about like the record, like the time yes. record. They're like tracking the minutes that the guys are in the ring. They're talking about Martel when he's going for the record, when he passes the record. Like it matters. It's a big deal. I think it's the first year they're talking a lot about that. Mm -hmm. But that's a staple of early rumbles, and I love that. It's a wonderful touch. It is. Diesel's going to have himself a breakout one year with eliminations. But there's all these kind of things that are just, again, they're just starting to form. And you can have somebody win the record and someone pass them the next year because it's, it's early on. It's happening for the first time. It's fresh. And it just works. Yep, absolutely. Um, we get probably the best use of the Bushwhackers as one kind of like yeah. does his funny walk to the ring. He's thrown out the other side and he just funny walks right back. It's probably the best thing the Bushwhackers ever did in this gimmick. So Yeah, so. because the whole point is they don't care about wrestling. <laughs> so they're baby faces. <laughs> uh, speaking of not caring, we see the debut of uh, mm-hmm. one of the Nasty Boys here. Um, as I think Brian Nobbs joins this rumble and absurdly makes it to the final four which offended me maybe more than anything else 
Hogan's buddy. I don't know if they were already Hogan's buddies or not, but probably I, the most well connected team ever because they're tight with Hogan, with Dusty. Like they always had somewhere to go. Yeah. And I wish that weren't true. So this is an amazing pay per view. As Miz has has an amazing Rumble. It is one of the worst final three uh, performances I've ever seen in my life. Oh, uh, it really is. And before we even get there, we get the moment where Tugboat. We'll beat yeah. up Hulk Hogan and almost throw him out of the ring, but Hogan will come back in and he will throw out his his own best friend or whatever they're supposed to be. So, yeah, um, that's monumental because Hogan had a dispute with a friend and I was Team Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> monumental indeed, my God. Uh, so Model is finally eliminated fifth to the end, which leaves us with a very sad final four, which includes Earthquake and Brian Knobs. Uh, they throw out Davy Boy, so they are alone with Hogan. Um, so yeah, the end is just two fat slobs against Hogan, and that's it's not good because he doesn't treat them like anything. He just destroys Earthquake again. He no sells his stuff in the stupidest way. It just dominates Earthquake so bad that he he should be the one running out of the arena in shame, and she should never be seen again for how badly he was shamed here by Hulk Hogan. Yeah, this is one of the most insulting things because. It's worse than that because they beat Hulk Hogan up and do Earthquake's finisher, and all of it hurts him, and he's broken, and then he stands up, and none of it hurt him. Then he beats them up, and I think he eliminates Knobs, or, yeah, Knobs, and then Earthquake starts beating him up again, and it's hurting him again. Yeah, no, it's absurd. It's so bad at the end here, and I remember, I, I feel like this is, like, we've had our beef with Hogan up to this point, but I feel like this was my big turning point with I Hogan. Agree. When I watched through for the Heenan series, like after this, it was just like nothing with Hulk Hogan anymore mattered. Yeah. And it's Hogan's fault because here's why I will say they are chanting Hogan when there's like nine or 12 people in there. Like Hogan's the only person in the match. So the fans are still into Hogan. But what Hulk Hogan is giving us is not of the same quality. And so this is a highly insulting and he's still going to celebrate after he eliminates earthquake and the fans are going to be into it. And like I said, if I was watching the show, I might think, man, we pulled it off and we are going to do well, but it is becoming more apparent. It is becoming more insulting. And I think one thing I noted is in one year from now, recompense is coming. And I think it's a lot of things over a lot of time, but you could just look at the behavior of the last three people in 90 and almost figure out why the fans react like they do in 91, because Hogan's got nothing left to give. Like, he's not giving us rich storylines. He's not giving us as good promos. So, obviously, if there's someone who kind of looks like Hulk Hogan, but he's fresh and new, and Hogan's insulting us and not giving us anything, it was bound to happen, and it happens. Yeah. It's one thing if you have a hot crowd who cheers you on the night, you know, but it's another thing if they don't buy your next pay-per-view. So, you know, this crowd... They were very kind. They were very engaged through the whole show. And, yeah, if you just listen to them, maybe you think you're on the right track. But, man, if you look at the bigger signs, um, like this this uh, was a, a part of a breaking point for a lot of fans. They will not buy WrestleMania so much. They will leave in droves in time. And uh, I think the, the, the goodwill is kind of really broken at this point. Yeah, and if we pointed out, like, hey, Warrior doesn't even get past January with his title, Hulk Hogan's not going to get past November. Yeah, true. Yeah, the, the, the titles are getting shorter. Um, they're never going to have, I think, a golden goose like Hogan again. Not even Austin. You know, he will drop that title many times over, even when he's at his hottest. So, yeah, uh, I, Vince Russo. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Vince Russo. We all know that. But, yeah. 
All right, we are right up against our time here. So anything else you want to say about the Rumble before we uh, call it here? No, nah, man, great experience. The fact that we could have gone longer than three hours kind of points to that. <laughs> it really does. So watch this pay-per-view. Watch it all. I think it's all worth watching. It's very fun stuff. Thank you for listening. It's been very fun. We're doing our Dusty Road Show next week. We'll be asking for match suggestions. I'll be looking for matches as well. Mystic will be looking for promos. And uh, anything we find vice versa, we will definitely include. So it'll be great next week. Please shout us out. I am on Twitter. I'm at SpectralGent. We're on the forums as well, LLPforums.com. Also check out all the great programs on LAP Radio, all the great stuff that is out there. That is all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week and Dusty Roads, Mystic, take us home. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. Discovered creature climbing on the mountainside. You know that no one else believed me. How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears, I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature